Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Thursday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. You got a Thursday night football tonight. You got Blues back in action. Got two baseball games, one starting in about two hours or so as game three between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. Uh, first pitch again at five, four, about 4.07 or so. It's get, they get weird with the timings with the MLB postseason games. But that one's in Arizona, so the venue shift. We'll see if the Diamondbacks can carve into the yeah. Phillies' lead like the Astros carved into the Rangers' lead last night. First loss for Texas. In the MLB postseason. Yeah, tough one there. Uh, Max Scherzer got the start. Didn't, it didn't go exactly according to plan. No, you, you got to love the competitiveness out of local local hero Max Scherzer. But yeah. no, things things went sideways there. Houston Houston's gonna Houston's gonna make it a series. Texas, I like Texas to win this series. I do, but Houston wasn't gonna go off quietly into the night. So their bats showed up last night. Credit them. Now we'll see if they can even the series tonight. That one first pitch, 7-0-3. Jordan Alvarez. He's a stud. Is unbelievable. That guy's pretty good. Yeah. I heard people comparing him to David Ortiz, the way that oh, wow. he masters the baseball. Well, he and, well, showed he's, up. Yeah, he's, he, he puts one. He put he put some power behind it. Well, and he showed up last year in the postseason too. Yeah, in a big way. Yeah, he's a postseason performer. So I can see that's why they're giving the old big poppy mm-hmm. reference. Yeah. So he's got some work to do if he's going to be in that category. Well but, said, there, Jamie. Yeah. I completely agree. But tonight, the Blues back in action, like I mentioned before, against the Coyotes. Jamie Rivers, Coyotes. He owns them. Because he ruined them. <laughs> I've ruined that franchise. Yeah. Look what they're going through. Look what they're going through. So they're one and two on the year, but. You know, they're they're kind of in a similar spot, I guess, to start the season in which their play, not terrible. They're looking to kind of ignite their offense as well. They, they started on a high note. They won a 4-3 shootout over the Devils. Then they followed that up by dropping one goal decisions to the Rangers and Islanders. So at least they've been competitive. This isn't a team we should we should be overlooking right now early in the season. No, this is for me, this is the sleeper team in the division. Really? Yeah, because what Bill Armstrong did was very subtle, but you know, he added Logan Cooley. He got the, the young man to sign and he is just a fantastic young player. He's already got three points in his first three games. He had a highlight real goal in preseason. It's just another really good, talented young player that goes alongside local boy Clayton Keller. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, he drives the offense for that team. And Nick Schmaltz, against the Blues in particular, those two guys are really good. So you had those three guys 
kind of coming in here. But what Bill Armstrong did is he added veteran players. So experienced NHL guys. So rather than doing the whole rebuild thing where you've got a bunch of bubble players and you're not sure and looking for that top draft pick, like I think Bill Armstrong realizes that it's time to kick it into gear a little bit here. Like you can't be in rebuild mode for a decade. Yeah. And so what he did is he went out and added some veteran guys to the lineup. And what it did is it created depth. So when you get Matt Dumba on defense, Travis Dermott on defense, you added uh, Troy Stecker on the blue line or up front, sorry, on the blue line as well. So he just added some guys, Jason Zucker. So this team, it it's not the, uh, the bottom feeder that it once was in the Central Division. They're going to be competitive. Night in, night out, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be in some games. Where they fall short is defensively, they're not the greatest team. They still give up quite a few chances. So that's going to be interesting, too, to see if if the Blues kind of kick out of their funk offensively. We mm-hmm. know they've played two really solid games as a defensive uh, group, but you still only put up two goals in two games. Maybe now's a chance to open up the offense a little bit. But again, can't overlook this team because they've got some veteran guys and they've got some really talented young players that can hurt you. And their their young goaltender has been pretty good too. That yeah. Vimelka. Well he, done. Did I nail it? Yeah. Vimelka. Vimelka. 33 saves versus the Islanders. Turned aside 66 of 70 shots this season. So Vimelka, even though he's facing a lot of shots, similar, oh, similar to Bennington, although I think he's got he got two starts or he's got three under his belt at this point either way he's facing a lot of shots as you mentioned Jamie but the kids stood up so far yeah he's gonna have to be good because the Coyotes are gonna give up chances they are I mean it's just the the law of averages is they don't have a a big burly defending group they traded away their best defenseman Jacob Chikrin now Mm -hmm. who's playing for the Ottawa Senators and boy are they a wagon this year boy oh boy Ottawa Senators making some noise up there in the Atlantic. Brady told us. He did. When he joined us. He, he was happy for his brother and the success that he had in the postseason, but you could tell. I mean, you could tell through the phone that, that Brady was chomping at the bit to get to get back on the ice, so yep. his team can make a run here. Yeah, and Big Daddy Vladdy, you know, we, we quick to criticize sometimes. He's been on fire lately, playing really well, so maybe, uh, maybe he's inspired and the group's inspired by him. Nonetheless, Auto Center's playing pretty good, but back to the Coyotes, you know, this is a team, too, that you just can't look past your opponent. The Blues don't have the season, the, the the roster this season to just look past opponents. Every game, we talked about it before the season started. I, I said every game is going to be, you have to go in with the one-goal game mentality. Because that's going to be how you probably win most of your games. You're mm-hmm. just not going to blow the wheels off of every team that you play against, specifically even against the Coyotes. So you got to, that mindset has to be there tonight. I know Craig Berube. He's going to tell the guys, like, you've won one game in a shootout. Like, let's make sure we're sticking to the process here. And I think the best thing that I've noticed from the players is, like, it's not that there was buy-in this year and not buy-in last year, but they are seeing the fruits of their labor. Mm -hmm. They're seeing that playing this strong defensive system, being committed to the defensive side of the puck, blocking shots, all these things that they've talked about, they're seeing now that it's working for at least for the first two games. It's worked very well for them. So now it's like, what's the next step for this group? The next step is creating a little bit more offensively. And then also that get your power play going. Coyotes penalty kill is not great, but your power play is not great right now. Mm-hmm. So which, you know, which side will win that battle tonight? 
I'm hoping the Blues start to put some pucks in the net on the power play. You mentioned that the Coyotes give up a lot of chances. Could this be a game that ultimately helps the Blues offensively where they want to be moving forward? Just get a little confidence in their game and, and try and figure that out? Well, yeah. I mean, look, you're always trying to build confidence and try to get things going offensively. Sometimes it's more difficult because the other team's pretty good. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think sometimes we forget that, like, there's other there's other players on the other team that are playing that also can that play also the get game paid. of hockey. They yeah. get paid millions of dollars to stop you from mm-hmm. putting the puck in their net. So the one thing Chief brought up in the last couple of days I thought was you know, interesting is the fact that you know the Blues have created some offensive opportunities. They've had some pretty good looks out there. They haven't executed on those looks to mm. where they've either bumbled the pass at the last second, fanned on the shot, they've hit a couple of posts. So if you turn a couple of those into goals, all of a sudden it looks a little different. But again, it comes down to confidence for the group is making sure that you know you, you know what you're doing with that puck and being very predictable at times. I like the way they're getting to the net right now. I like that Torpchenko is going to be up with Shen and Kapanen. I think they're going to do some damage tonight offensively. And it'd be nice to see that power play again get on the board. I had this conversation last night with one of my buddies. I was watching the Tampa Bay game a few was a few nights ago or whatever. Maybe it was last week. But they have Nick Paul right in front of the net. Yep. Big, big forward. And he, at least in the first game, he had two goals because he was standing right in front of the net. Do you think the Blues maybe need to put some bigger players right in front of the net in well, ter- on the power play at least well they've they've had them there the problem is they haven't had the puck in the offensive zone that's <laughs> fair like they barely get into the zone to get set up and when they get set up they're getting pucks knocked down with passes like they're, they're not executing anything right now mm-hmm. so I know that Braden Shen has been there at the end of last game or in the second period once Booch was out you know Kapanen got parked in front I don't think the net front presence is the problem. The problem is that he's there and you don't need him because you don't have the puck. And he's doing down and backs because you're breaking the puck out four or five times every power play. Mm. So that's probably more the issue than anything. I think it should be noted, too, that Joel Hofer is getting the start tonight Mm. in the pipes for the Blues. A little bit of an interesting one. I thought the Chief would go back with Bennington just because, you know, the last game was a Saturday night. And if you go all week you know that's another that's a week without yeah. being getting into a game but i understand the concept you know joel hofer's got to play he's got to play and if you're looking at the pittsburgh penguins or you're looking at the arizona coyotes the pittsburgh penguins got a little more firepower up front not that joel hofer can't handle it but jordan bennington's been playing extremely well so far this year so it, it's going to be nice to see uh, hofer in the net let's see what he brings to the table i'm extremely confident in what he can do I don't think this, the team needs to adjust one thing. I think they're confident in this young man as well. But it'd be nice for him to get his first game of the year under his belt here, a home game. And it's a big game for the Blues as well. That's Jamie Rivers. He's got Bally Sports Midwest duties a little bit later on. So he's going to be with us for the first two hours. Brad Thompson will be joining us for the final two hours today here in the Fast Lane, where it's 212. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Thursday night football game is pretty intriguing tonight. We usually don't get interesting storylines, but you got the Jaguars, you got the Saints tonight. And I think there's two different storylines when it comes to these two quarterbacks that I expect both of them to play tonight. Carr practiced. Trevor Lawrence is coming off the injury, but apparently it's it's only a, a minor injury, so I expect both guys to play tonight based on the reports that, that we're reading. But when it comes to these two quarterbacks, again, two different storylines. So we're going to approach next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. We're going to pause the uh, the football conversation because we're joined by one of Jamie and I's absolute favorite people. It's Reed Lowe. Reed Lowe is in the house. He was down talking to, who were you talking to, Marty down yeah. at uh, WIL. WIL? Good stuff. Reed, yep. Reed, it's always good to see you, man. How have things I, been? Dude, I'm doing really, really good. And, you know, it's, they've done a little, they've changed it up a little bit, spruced it up a little bit in here since I was in here last. But a little bit. I love this studio. I spent a bunch of time in here with you yeah, and, and the rest of the boys. So it's good to be back. Well, they did all this because Anthony cried. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you did. It was okay. You shed real tears, which was impressive because normal people can't fake that. So I know you got emotional. <laughs> but he was tired of all the other stations getting brand new wraps and signage. He came in, man. He dug his feet in. He had a sit-in. He wouldn't leave the studio until somebody made a decision to spice it up here. So, Anthony, the, thank you. You're very welcome, Jamie. Yeah, I started to stink, Reed, is what happened. They're like, we got to get this guy out. So, yeah, Jamie, Jamie's telling the truth. How much hockey are you taking in these days? Because I know last time we talked, you're, you, you love hockey, obviously, mm-hmm. but you're one of the – I always feel like former athletes are kind of falling into one of two categories. You know, one it's like, ah, just give me one more shift, and uh, other other former athletes are like, I'm good, I played, I'm good, and I feel like you fit into the to the latter category. Yeah, without question, I, I retired at 31 years of age. I remember like it was yesterday, July 12th. I was working up at a performance center in Chesterfield with Jacks, uh, uh, Jamal Mayers, and Bryce Salvador, and we're doing uh, planks, and I just stood up and I'm like, all right, I'll see you guys later. They're like, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm like. You will not see me tomorrow. <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm done. They're like, you're done what? I'm like, I'm retiring. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't do and, it anymore. And, and honestly, it wasn't the planks. It was the going back and, and having to fight again. Like, I broke my jaw completely in half. I got a plate and four screws in my chin. And at the end of the day, that was kind of the beginning of the end for me. I never really liked the job the fighting aspect of the job. What I loved about the job was that I had an opportunity to make my teammates more valuable, two inches taller and 20 pounds heavier. And I love that they love that of me as in a kid that kind of grew up with not a whole lot of friends. When I grew into that role, it was kind of something that I really embraced. And so when I realized that the pain that I was going to live after the age of 30 wasn't, and I wanted to eat soup with a spoon, not a straw when I was 45, (laughs) I thought, listen, I've already accomplished making the NHL. I've been struggling in the minors the last two years. What am I doing? Let's go find what else is next in the world for me. So I'm glad I did it. But yeah, I I don't, I play a charity game here too, but I really don't enjoy putting skates on my feet. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't enjoy really playing much, but like if we're out having a, if we're going to Nashville for the weekend and playing with against the Predator alumni, I'm not missing that trip. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll gut out an hour <laughs> skate that day, but um, I watch it here and there, fair weather. I do a lot of tastings, and I'm real busy with my auction business that I do. So, um, But I always follow the blues. I'm huge. I, I bleed blue. Yeah, Good so man. one thing, too, to remember for listeners and yourself, Anthony, is like it's one thing to work your way up the food chain, like Losey did. Like when you, you come in from junior hockey, you go to the minors, and you're fighting everybody, and then you get to the NHL, and that's the pinnacle. You get to the NHL. It's a whole other story when you start walking down the mountain on the other side mm. and you got a bunch of animals in the jungle that are trying to climb up. They're starting their ascent. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're filet mignon on the menu for the next knuckle dragger from, you know, God knows where. 
He wants to fight you. So, I, Losey, I totally agree. You, last thing you want to do at 30-31 is now you got this 20-year-old kid who his biggest moment's fighting Reed Lowe. Yeah. Reed Lowe couldn't think twice about fighting this guy. Yeah. And riding a bus <laughs> for $95,000? <laughs> I, 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 could, I, I could go sell stuff from a garage sale and make 60 on eBay. Let's go figure something out, you know? And no bus. You don't worry about the bus. So, Losey, talk a little bit about what you're doing now because I, I find it really interesting uh, because you've always been a hustler. Like, always. Like, whether it was hockey and anything, you're always hustling. You're always out there making friends, and people just love hanging out with you and doing things. I mean, I'm one of them. I love you. You know that. So what are you doing now? You got an auction business, and you got a booze business. Yep. Fill us in a little bit. Yeah, so coming out of COVID, I uh, you know, I was working for the Blues alumni doing marketing and, and uh, you know, sponsorships and building their events. And when we all got furloughed because nothing was going on, I had to kind of get out on my own and do something. So I engaged myself more in a beverage company um, because we had to shift gears too and get <clears throat> off-premise rather than on-premise. So we had to go into liquor stores rather than uh, restaurants because they weren't open. Mm. So I helped with that development and getting us into a couple different places and then once it started to kind of come out people started calling me for the auction stuff again and uh yeah so i just do uh charity auctions um i help consult i do the auctions i help build the auctions set the auction uh schedule up um if some of the consulting means like they have some hockey people or some people that i can help either sell some tickets or grow that are in their database i'll make some phone calls for them just try and get out there and, and help it and you know there's a cost that comes with that for me like i do charge but like i tell everybody i either go get a real job and help a few people or I get to take my love to the whole community and I get to help a ton of people and help my family at the same time so I enjoy what I do you know um, I'm always bringing something to the table with an autograph or some tickets or whatever else and so that's my true passion Uh, the fun part is I'm a third generation auctioneer my dad and grandfather both auctioneers I never went to auction school I worked for Richie Brothers auctioneers and kind of learned how to do that through bid catching but um, that's where my true passion lies but this liquor business is been fun and uh, you know I took it over a year and a half ago so I had to get in there and kind of learn about it and um, now I really focus on getting into those restaurants and building relationships and understanding that I want a or a relationship based company not a customer based company Uh, we're all small boutique I've got wines they only make five six hundred cases of so I really can't be in a mass distribution spent spot where I have to go to all these places because they really don't have that much to give me so um, it's been fun learning a new business I love learning new stuff I retired from the NHL and went and worked for Richie Brothers Auctioneer, some auction company with no equipment knowledge and end up running the entire Midwest. So I'm not scared to jump in the deep end without a life jacket on and figure something new out. That's incredible. Now, if somebody want, if somebody's listening and says, hey, we got some charity events coming up and they want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach out to you? You can go to my uh, Reedlow34 Facebook page. You can message me in there and then go and, and like it and follow. Um, I about Two and a half months ago, I started doing Friday night fights with your boy Losey. Yeah, it's awesome. it's awesome. I've seen them. It's good. Yeah, everybody's going Who nuts over this stuff. Because I know you're not that savvy. I am so not that savvy. I'm so not that savvy. The first the one I saw. The production's great. Yeah, it's I phenomenal. looked at it. I was like, "There's no way." Yeah. I'm like, "You do a great job of describing it," but I'm like, "You know, they got him with the jerseys. And oh, he's holding yeah. an iPad like he actually knows yeah. what he's doing." Yeah. <laughs> so I got a guy that I met about five months ago, um, and so this idea actually, I got a footnote this because this is not my idea. This is Jeff Lavecchio's idea. He we. About two years ago, we were we met out social media. I'm like, how can I do it? Because I'm a complete dunce when it comes to any of that stuff. I can get on stage. I can talk a starving dog off a meat wagon. Like I can do a whole lot of things, but electronics and details are not my friend. <laughs> and so Jeff's like, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. I'm like, I'll, I'll do. I'll do. I'll do it. And so I met this Corey guy. Um, now he's helping me run my uh, my events company and help me with the planning and stuff like that. And then I met Tommy, who's a who's a videographer, and we just got together and we just. 
again, jumped in the deep end. We had no idea what we were doing. We were up at uh, my buddy Mike Wood's gym to start out, and then we did a couple in my living room. And um, I, I, it's been a busy couple, three weeks, so I ran out. So unfortunately, I'm not going to have one uh, tomorrow night because we have an event and it just got too busy. But we'll pick it back up next week. And yeah. it's a lot of fun. I love talking about what it was. I love kind of shooting some stuff at John, uh, Donnie Brashear like I got to. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it's good. And it's been unbelievable because uh, the amount of text messages and messages that I've received on how awesome it was like makes me feel good that I'm doing something people are enjoying. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot of fun. Those videos are great. What's unique about it that I like is... And trust me, Losey has enough fights where he could just use his own fights forever. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But I like that you use other guys' fights, mm-hmm. too. And you go in and you describe it because I, I don't know of many hockey fans that, that aren't fans of the fights. Yeah. They can say whatever they want, but you know behind closed doors they're firing up that YouTube and they're checking out some fights. Well, uh, Reed, one of the things that's interesting, like Jamie, <laughs> I always love telling the story. So when Reed and I were doing radio, you know, way back when you were filling in, you know, throughout the various shows, and a lot of times we'd be paired up together. I said, I looked to read one time. I go, Reed, dude, I, I you got to teach me hockey. You know, like I, you got to, you got to show me, right? And Reed, Reed was generous enough. He goes, come over to the house, all right? Big Reed's a huge wine guy, as you guys know. Oh yeah. Come over to the house. We have some wine, and you know the the games will be on. I think it was a playoff game. I'm like, awesome. I'm in. So I told Chris, I'm going out. Here we go. I'm going to Reed Lowe's house. Going to learn some hockey. <laughs> I got home. I, I get home and the next day or whatever, uh, you know, I get home or I was talking to her the the next morning and she's like, "How great was it? How you know, did you, did you get all these hockey notes?" I go, "Nope, we got hammered. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned nothing. I learned more about wine than yes. in hockey last night. That's a fact. But anyways, back to the fights. So sometimes I, you know, I'll go to Jamie. I go, Jamie, what, what, what are you thinking in a fight? Because I just think, all right, but it's boxing. The technique that Jamie's showing me. What you can do—that's what I love about it. You guys go into this, and you're you're, you're grabbing the jersey, you're like Jamie, you're punching the arm, and it's all about leverage. And I love when you when you're breaking that down. You don't understand how much technique is involved when it comes to fighting. Losey's one of the best. I don't say that because he's sitting here. I honestly, for a big man in the heavyweight category that he was in, one of the best technical fighters I've ever seen. Left hand, right hand, cross grip, over under. You were awesome, man. You, honestly, your your technical side of your fighting was it, it exceeded just even how tough you were. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I worked on it a lot. I watched a lot of video. Um, it was my craft. And another thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I've never been in a bar fight or a street fight ever in my life. And mostly because I I'm not a fighter. Like I don't I didn't like doing it. I did it because it was either that or I wasn't going to have any chance of making sure. the NHL. And so um, kind of similar to that, my old hockey coach Al Tour was so good to me and mentored me so much when I was in the Western Hockey League, which I played two years in the Western Hockey League, and I found this out on HockeyFights.com. Seventy three fights. <laughs> In 123 games. Damn, it was, it was animalistic. It was ridiculous. 73. So, yeah, it was crazy. So, um, but he used to teach me a lot of the techniques. We'd we'd work it out, um, and then I don't know, man. I just like it was it was what I was supposed to do. I was a terrible hitter. I wasn't that great of a skater. I had pretty decent hands for a big guy. I could get around the ice. I really worked hard. My uh, going into my third year pro hockey on my skating, just because I was couldn't even get any ice in the American Hockey League. How am I supposed to make the NA? 
NHL. So I really had to work hard on my skating. I did that and then, you know, got my opportunity. And my first year in the NHL, I wasn't letting it go. I was in nine fights in my first nine games, 17 fights in 26, and ended up at 26 fights in 56 games. So wow. I just, I, I, and, and I remember it was in like seventh game, and Joel Quinville calls me in the game before. He's like, Are you going to fight every night this year? You don't have to fight every game. I'm like, game. I'm like well, do you want uh, Keith Kachuk to score a power play goal every single night? Well, if he can, I'm like, well, if I can. You know? <laughs> like, if it's necessary, I'm going to do it every single night. But I was so nervous, and I was just like so amped up before a game just because I just didn't want to ever feel like I wasn't getting my job done or I was disappointing my teammates. So I would just, for the first eight, ten games, I just went out and hunted somebody on the first shift. Just get shift. it out of the way. Just get it out yeah. of the way. Then I can play hockey. <laughs> Job's done. Don't have to worry about it again. If something happens, I could come back sure. out. Two in a night's not too many. Yeah. Done that many times. <laughs> wow. But I really just felt like I had to get that monkey off my back so that I could just be relaxed and not look over my shoulder. Well, one thing is that, uh, and I, I know I could speak for Jamie on this, Reed, you put, you put everything that you've got into what you do man and it's always a pleasure to chat with you love to hear what you're what you're doing these days you always got uh, your hand in various things but it's it's amazing man you give 100 percent. you guys remind me of each other in that regard jamie you're the same way it's like jamie's just whatever we're doing I- yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever whatever i'm doing man he it's just took on the most ridiculous full-time job ever in the history of the world with everything he's got going on in fact no i think he trumps me actually <laughs> well when your fourth liners are bubble players you better be a hard worker <laughs> reed always good to see you man and always we're gonna good. see you uh friday night right yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow night, night. Yeah, tomorrow. perfect yeah. yeah you bet guys perfect time to talk about that we got our Blues Warriors Awards Gala. We're going to be out broadcasting live 2 to 6, River City Casino and Hotel. Later that evening, you got the inaugural Blues Warriors Awards Gala that's going to be taking place. You can enjoy an evening of dinner, drinks, awards, live auction. Jamie's going to be there. Reed's going to be there. Cam Jansen, Tony Twist, and a lot more. Tickets for Blues Warriors Awards Gala are on sale. 101ESPN.com. It all supports the Blues Warrior Hockey. Reed, be good, man. It's good seeing you, brother. Always, brothers. Love you very much, and uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. That was our pleasure. Uh, more of the Fast Lane next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners, and if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new big green egg. Weber gas or charcoal grill and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Guys, I find tonight's Thursday Night Football matchup to be intriguing. You got the Jaguars and Saints, and and I don't think much of the Saints, although I did think that they were going to win the NFC South, and I wouldn't put it past them on a short week. <laughs> it's wide open. At home to win tonight against the Jaguars. And that's kind of where I'm, I, I wanted to start with, with Jacksonville side of things, because when you look at Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, they opened up against the Colts, and as we talked about after that game, you know, if, if you want – if if you saw the score, 31-21, you say, okay, that makes sense. You know, the Jaguars went on the road. They scored a bunch of points. But the Colts were in that thing. They were in it until midway through the fourth quarter. Then they only score nine against the Chiefs. They get blown out by the Texans. They make their London trip. They beat the Falcons and Bills and then put it on the Colts last week. This is a game you got to win. You know, this is a game, if you look at it from an AFC contending standpoint, if you're Jacksonville, Jamie, you're Trevor Lawrence, I, I don't care that he's a little banged up, he's going to play. And if you play, you're open You're open for criticism, you know, or praise for that matter. But even though this the, the circumstances don't necessarily favor you because you're going to be the road team, uh, unfamiliar opponent, you know, with the Saints being in the NFC and all that, still, you want to start to make claim that you're one of the better teams in the AFC. I think it started in London and it needs to continue because their schedule Saints Steelers then they got the Niners Titans you got some winnable games coming up outside of the 49ers well if you're going to be a first place team you have to act like it well said you know and acting like it is winning the games you should win Mm -hmm. that's the bottom line so the Jacksonville Jaguars obviously for me anyways high expectations after the season they had last year and pushing to the brink in the playoffs I mean, that was a massive success. And yep. it was a Trevor Lawrence inauguration, basically, because his first year under Urban Meyer, we know how that went. Mm. Oof, nobody had a good season that year. No. But last year was good for Trevor Lawrence. And this year started off a little weird because you expect, at least I expected them, to kind of come out kicking and punching. Like, let's go. Last year wasn't just an apparition. Right. It was like, that's the real deal. It hasn't been that way. It's been okay. I mean, they're four and two, like, you know, but still, to your point about the game tonight against the Saints, like, this is a must win. Like, Mm -hmm. it should be an automatic win. It should be like thinking, okay, we're five and two after tonight. Right. And I don't know if they're there yet. I agree. That's why we're kind of having the conversation, right? Yeah. Because I pause on that. Like, I want them to be there. And in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, it's a win. But I'm like, is it? Yeah. Trevor Lawrence banged up, and I know that you said, well, if you decide to play, you play. Mm-hmm. It could affect his performance. It could actually do sometimes when you get a quarterback that it goes out there and plays through something, actually does more harm than good because you end up with an offensive package that you've put together for your starter that he either can't fulfill because he's injured, mm-hmm. or two, you pull him out because he can't complete it, and then you put in your backup guy and you got to go with a whole new recipe. Right. So it can cause a certain amount of chaos sure. that you know you don't want, but... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, to me, has to carry the mail with this team. He is the driving force. doesn't matter who you have around him. That's the guy. He's the man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's been okay so far this year. Uh, I mentioned this before, so I fall, I fall into this category, too, in some respects, because I, I said, look, I think the Saints are going to win this division this year. Yeah, Derek Carr, first time Derek Carr has ever had a defense. We're good to go. Jamie, this uh, – I have – I've gone back and I've watched these Saints games. Derek Carr is the same exact quarterback that he was in Oakland and Vegas. He's checked down Charlie. He's 353 yards, but only 13 points. He's high completion percentage, but he's throwing short of the sticks. 
we critic we criticize Kirk Cousins a lot. Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. Kirk Cousins does have that, you know, there's there's times where games on the line, it's like, okay, I'll just throw to who's open. Run for 17 yards to get the first, please. Derek Carr's that way, and he's been that way since he entered the league. Yet I feel like we put Derek Carr in a bubble wrap and blame everybody else, coaching, lack of weapons, the Raiders just overall, mm. offensive line. We've got all a list of excuses for Derek Carr. Yet Kirk Cousins, who is who puts up good numbers and I think wins more consistently, we're ready, we're ready to fire on. I don't get it. Yeah, it is strange. And the one other thing I would add to this was – that I remember, like when Derek Carr went to the Saints, like this was supposed to be like turnaround time. Like the Saints are, watch out now that now they're going to yeah. go. Like they got a quarterback. They again. got a quarterback now, and, and it just hasn't been that way. I mm. feel like, honestly, I feel like they've taken steps backwards, even though they've added the quarterback. Like because they didn't have the quarterback for a couple of years, they were yep. going with, well, a lot of different options. Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge of guys, mm-hmm. including a guy that does punt returning and. Yeah, he does it all. Blocking and including quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> including quarterback. Mm-hmm. But that's my point. Sure, is you had those guys, and now you're supposed to have a legit, you know, QB one, so to say, and nothing. Yeah, yeah nothing. Nothing has not, <laughs> not much has changed. It I don't want to say nothing. Any not better, much. Man. And granted, the offensive line was a concern coming into the year, and the offensive line is still a concern. But when you're watching these 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 games, yeah, there are times where. Uh, the Saints' offensive line is treating Derek Carr like Daniel Jones. You know, they're, they're, he's got no time. But there, there are other times where he's hitting his back foot, and there might be a player open. He's holding on to the ball. Yeah, you're not Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow can get away with that. Joe Burrow's got that innate ability to just hang on that one extra second. Yeah, he might take some punishment. Yeah, he might take some more sacks. But he's all he's also going to do it because he's going to throw vertically. Derek Carr is going to haul in the ball and then take take a sack or or dump the ball off. I mean, there was a play last week where he dumped the ball off to Alvin Kamara on I think it was either a third or fourth down. They need they needed five, dumped it off into the flats, three defenders right in front of Kamara. <laughs> like, what are we doing? You know. So I just think that when you look at when you look up this when you look at this matchup, this to me feels like a bit of a do or die situation here for the Saints and Derek Carr. Not to say that somebody's going to run away with the division, but you got the Jags on a short week. Why don't you show something? Because you haven't shown that much thus far, the Saints. Why does Vegas have the Saints favored? That is where I'm like, like I'm something doesn't so add up. Because the Jaguars are a better team, clearly. They got the better QB. They got the better overall talents. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. That's the one. Text I, line was on that too. That's the one I scratched my head on. This is one of those. If everybody's lined up on one side, go the other way. That's what that that's what this type of game is. And everybody's lined up with Jacksonville. I'll leave it at that. It's fast lane on 101 ESPN. Is the Blues new defensive system impacting their offensive output? Jamie's got some thoughts on that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We've had plenty of ozone time and um, chances. I think that, you know, right now we're not um, hitting on all cylinders with uh, the puck right now. 
from an offensive standpoint, whether it's the shooting part of it, missing the net on some nice grade A's and things like that. It's just some execution things. So that's something that we're working on and trying to improve on. And and also, the power play is a big part of offense. You wouldn't know that, but when you get the power play touches and power play starts to click, your offensive guys gain a lot more confidence. So that's something that we got to get straightened out to. That was Craig Berube. Sideswiping. Sideswiping Jamie Rivers when he said, you wouldn't know about that in terms of offensive play. It's a, a fa- it's a fascinating. Apparently, he hasn't read my resume. <laughs> it's a fascinating. I want to want ESPN. Jamie, do you think that this new blo- this new Blues defensive system is it impacting the offense in an, in an adverse way? No. Okay. It's no, not I like really this, the system and the structure could take away opportunities for the offense. No, I mean, look, does it shave off maybe uh, an opportunity every now and then? Maybe, but. You did that last year. You exchanged chances last year with teams, and how did that work out? Not well. Not well, right? Yeah. So, you know, a couple things we have to remember here is the first game of the year was against a Dallas Stars team that is predicted to be a Stanley Cup contender. Mm-hmm. Their goalie, Jake Ottinger, is projected to be a Vesna Trophy candidate in the discussion. Their defensive core is really good. It's not always easy to generate offense against the other team when they're pretty good. Seattle, it's a fast team. That defensive course is fast. They close out plays, and their goalie, Joey Decord, stood on his head the mm-hmm. other night. Now, there's some instances where the Blues could have capitalized. Of course, and power play's one of them. I mean, Chief makes an excellent point. Your offensive guys, I call them the cookies, right? They get their cookies on the power play, then they're happy. All the big fat belly, they're so happy. <laughs> Get a power play point in the first period, and you're like, "Woo, this is great. Set to go the rest of the night. It's amazing what it does to some of these guys. Yeah. You know, we talk about Vladimir Tarasenko a lot. Vladimir Tarasenko was definitely one of those guys. And, you know, back when I played, Pavel Dimitra was one of those guys. And, you know, the, the, the offensive guys who want to get that point early, the power play is a perfect spot to do it. You get on the score sheet early, and then after that, man, you, you got a little extra bounce in your step. And now you play with more confidence. You're driving a little bit more offense. So, yes, the power play getting going will will certainly solve a lot of these things for the Blues. But he's right, too. The execution just hasn't been there. You know, whether it's missed one-timers or the couple of posts that they've hit, I mean, th- th- that stuff is factored in. So I-, I don't think the system itself is slowing down the offense. In fact, I see the defensemen jumping up into the play even more because they're confident in the puck play of the forwards so that nobody gets burned. Mm-hmm. I just think the Blues were two games in. It's not panic. A little bit of victim of circumstance against two pretty good defensive teams. Certainly a really fast team in Seattle. Take away time and space, and your power play hasn't been good. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I mean, you also have to you, you also have to allow things to work. Sometimes yeah. we get so impatient when it comes to, well, fix it, and then oh, you're talking about this new system. Well, it better work. Okay. Well, how unhappy can we be too? Yeah. Like, oh, you got the defense figured out. Yeah, you can't the score. The offense, right, right. Nobody said they're going to be putting up 130 points a season for these guys. No, what what you what you have been saying is it's been it's it will be balanced. The scoring will be balanced. Yeah, I don't know when Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidle came came to the Blues. You don't have you don't have that sort of scoring punch. You do have a really good goal scorer in Jordan Cairo. You do have good depth offensively when Pavel uh, Buchnevich is healthy and he's out there. Good scoring punch. 
you kind of know what you're going to get out of Saad and Shen. You've got some scoring ability throughout throughout the course of, of each line. But I don't, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that we're suddenly just going to see this massive drop in scoring because, oh, they're all in on defense now. Yeah. I don't think it works that way. No, we got a text uh, to the Air Comfort Service text line, which you can jump in at any point during any show. Uh, that number is 314-399-9646. It's a lengthy one, but I want to read it and, and kind of get into it a little bit. Sure. From the 314, when they tried this same defensive system under Mike Yo, the same thing happened where the offense wasn't scoring. So Craig Berube came in and changed it to a man defense, and we know what happened after that. So it's hard to believe that it's not something with this defense as the reason the offense is not scoring. Okay, a couple things here. This is not the same system that Mike Yo ran. It's, it's just not. Uh, and then when Craig Berube came in, I seem to remember a Stanley Cup happening he changed things. He didn't go with the exact same stuff that Mike Yell was using. He changed it, and he got way more aggressive. And so, look, the fact that you're playing – watch other teams. Watch the Edmonton Oilers. They're playing a very similar system to the Blues. They are. It, it, there's only a couple ways to play defensive zone coverage. It's I don't know if it's the same in football. There's only a couple of ways you can actually like line up, and then yeah. what you do from there is – has uniqueness to there it. There you go. Yeah, I mean, there's only there's there's only so many versions of cover four and cover two, and you know, there's there's exactly. cover two man, there's cover two zone. Like, yeah, yeah, I get you. So Mike Yo and his system was literally just everybody sitting in the middle of the ice. And if you remember, teams would have puck possession for an extended amount of time. They'd be skating around with it the whole game, and so yeah, you were clogging the middle of the ice, but because you weren't aggressive at all. That's why it was hard to get going on the offensive side. With the Chiefs' defensive system or the Blues' coaching staff defensive system, now they want one guy to be very aggressive. Wherever the puck lies in the zone. So we talked about before cutting the defensive zone into four squares. Mm -hmm. So whenever the puck comes into your square, boom, you're on it. And boom, the support guy's right there. What we're not doing is having two guys go to the same person anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. So the over-aggressiveness of what happened last year to where two defensemen would end up down behind the net and nobody in front, or two guys over in the corner and nobody in the scoring area, that's not happening now because your first guy is being ultra-aggressive. Your second guy there is the support guy unless there's a loose puck. If there's a loose puck, now he's automatically into action to get the loose puck. If it's just sitting there in a puck battle, he's playing off the pile a little bit. He's, he's reading. Yeah, where in the square is the support? So if you took, if you, this is going to be, I know we're on radio, so this is a little more difficult. Yeah. But if you cut the defensive zone into four squares and then you draw a circle throughout all four squares, a big circle. I got your There's little pieces of pie yeah. in every square. The support guy is that guy. That's basically his range. Got it. That's where, in worst case scenario, that's where he finds himself. Now, best case scenario is there's a loose puck and there's a battle. And now he can go outside of that circle to go get that loose puck and now turn it on offense. And one thing you'll notice about the Blues, this year in particular, as opposed to last year, as soon as they're getting possession of the puck, the net front defenseman is activated up the ice. Get going. Why hang back? Because the guy who gets the puck down low, the forward, he's already playing back. Mm-hmm. So when he moves the puck up the ice, the net front D is joining the attack, and then from there they go up as a wave of five once everybody gets on their horse. So that's the defensive system right now. So it's actually 
it's actually put together to get puck control back quicker so that you can play offense quicker. And when it's done the way it's supposed to be done, that's what's supposed to happen. So mm-hmm. that's why it's different than what Mike Gale was playing. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stolzer. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. we got our sports six-pack next. So if you got a question for us, 314-399-9646 is the Aircomber Service text line. Text in. Sports six-pack next in the Fastlane. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, and we did have Anthony Stalter. Yeah, might be going to the bathroom. Oh, wait. Yeah, I think he went in to investigate the uh, the single bathroom uh, and see what's going on down there because Jackson from um, the balloon party, old Sir Piddles himself, and TMA, apparently they were on the defensive today about peeing all over the floor in that one bathroom. They Iggy admitted, um, Anthony, live on the air, that uh, he sits to pee, so it couldn't be him. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's did, a tough did spot. Did he say that, or did the text line say no, that? No, he said that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a tough one there. He apparently admitted yeah, to Jackson. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah it's real Salter's uh, choice. I know <sighs> it's not me, but I don't really know if I can say this. And Jackson gave him solid advice. Said, hey, if you want to be taken off the list, you got to own it. You got to do it, yeah. Here's the thing. Uh... I wouldn't have blamed a teammate like we did yesterday. Mm -hmm. But if you remember the whole softball debacle with us and the Rizzuto show, Tim McKernan did not have have our backs at all. Mm. He had, I believe, Learn and Rafe in here. Mm. And he was just all about Learn, Rafe, the Rizzuto show. If he wasn't backing him up, he certainly wasn't backing us up. So it's displaying. It's it's likely that show, if not Tim himself. Mm-hmm. I th- I think we can, you know, we can not necessarily call out teammates, but you know, we we try and keep them accountable, right? That's called sure. being a good teammate. So if we say, hey, this person's peeing all over the floor, maybe next time they won't do it. You you would hope so, Marsh. Yeah. You would hope there'd be a little little more decorum, you know. Question one, please. Apparently, there's some mic drop we should be playing. I don't know, Marshy. We got from the 314. Play the mic drop, cowards! I don't know. Okay. What's the mic drop name that we should be looking for? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They literally... Um, I, they- always lo- I always love that. <laughs> I always love the text that comes in or the mic drop, the text that accompanies the mic drop, which yeah. is, you won't play my mic drop. You never, you're too afraid. And then Marsh literally just reads off the text. And we don't hear back from these people. In what world do you think we'd be we'd be afraid to share your your criticisms of us? As long as we it's don't radio care. Safe, and even if it's not, sometimes Marshall doctor it up so we take out the bad words. You won't play my mic drop. Coward. Okay, watch this. Well, what what's the cowards? Coward. What's yeah, the mic drop? We'll play it. I don't know. Who's, as long as you're not cursing in it, I don't know the name. I don't know. Right. There's uh, no get, name. It's just give a phone us a heads up. Let me give you the phone number. <laughs> nice, cowards. Go ahead, Marsh. Question number one. Oh, yeah, there we go. 
All right, from the 314, Jamie, should we be concerned about the Blues' face-off percentages so far? Well, I don't No, Shouldn't be concerned about that. It's two games into the season. And it's the second game of the season. Yeah, third tonight. It's the third game of the season. Um, but no, I agree. Look, winning face-offs is important. It's the very first chance you get to possess the puck. And it hasn't been you know, where you'd like it to be, but I think it'll get there. You got Kevin Hayes, you got uh, Braden Shin, you got Robert Thomas, you got some pretty good guys there. I would say so. I'm not concerned at this point about the face-off percentage. Not yet. By the way, this is uh, the mic the mic drop. The mic drop is from Steve, who I believe is Steve from Wildwood, who is a frequent listener of TMA and always has good mic drops. So I will find that mic drop and we shall play it. Okay. He sent it to Stalter, he says. Oh, Anthony, you're going to get it, man. Oh, no. Steve's got you in the crosshairs. You think I can't handle criticism? I hear criticism every day and night. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. It's true. You do. Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah, Jamie just can't <laughs> stop texting you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to keep him honest. You know? This point is like, it's just uh, numb to it. You know? Right, Marsh? Question number Absolutely. two. <laughs> uh, to the... <laughs> The 636, where is the best section to watch a Blues game and a Cardinals game? Well, there are two different buildings, so if you sit in the one section, you won't be able to see the Cardinals game. <laughs> I've, never, I've never sat in BT's green seats, but I, I hear great things about that. I mean, right behind Old Plate, that's fantastic. So, our guy Stewie from Stewart's American Mortgage Corporation, yeah. he has season tickets, and his are located about... 12, 13 rows from the dugout, the visiting dugout. I will say that was a pretty phenomenal spot to watch a game. Yeah, those are Stewie great. let us use the tickets a couple times. And Anything like right be- right behind any of the dugouts, and, and I'm not even talking about first or second row behind the dugout. I mean, it's the, even if you go back a section or yeah. two behind the dugouts, those tend to be some pretty good seats. Yeah. So for, the, for Enterprise Center, I've always thought that anytime you can get in one of the corners – and so if you picture the hockey rink, there's four corners, and they have this, the, the diagonal sections that kind of go up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About 20 rows up from the ice in one of those corners. And the reason is that you can see the whole ice. Mm-hmm. The only spot you lose sight of the puck really is when it's right down in your corner. Yeah. But it's still... You see where the guys are. It pops are. out right away because they got to take it to the net or like whatever. Right. Where sometimes where if you sit at one end, you can't see the far end properly. If you sit in the middle, believe it or not, you lose the puck all along the wall mm. on your side, and you can't have a hard time seeing the corners sometimes when you sit in the middle. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. So my my dad is the one who did this when we were way back when we were kids going to watch junior hockey. He's like, these are the best seats. He's see the most of the ice this way. So that would I. I I kind of echo those. Unfortunately, sessions. I sat right where you're talking about for the Patrick Kane goal in the playoffs against Ryan Miller. Oh, boy. The one that it was a breakaway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Clean breakaway. Yeah. That I, think, play- I think we were on the power play, actually. Maybe. Really? Maybe we weren't. We were. Yeah. We did have it in the, in the offensive zone. Which goal? Obviously. The Kane goal in the playoffs. The Eliminator. The year that they got the the year that the Blues acquired named it Ryan the Ryan Miller the Eliminator. <laughs> uh, that was you get a piece of it. That was you can uh, rename it. That was the uh, 
um, Taze goal. Oh, it was Jonathan Taze? Jonathan Taze, yeah, but it was a breakaway. Yeah, when it when, when the puck went out to center yeah. ice and he scooped it up. And Ryan Miller and just every, stood there. Every, well, everybody in the building were like, okay, we can go now. Because <laughs> you knew it. I mean, as soon as as soon as that puck landed on his, his stick and he was going the other way, he had no shot. I like section 112 at the Enterprise Center. It's right in that corner, like Jamie said. Mm-hmm. Blues attack twice on that side. Solid, nice. solid section. You always want to sit where the Blues attack twice. I like that. Unless you're a Jordan Bennington fan, you like just watching cool saves. I like defense. Yeah, you do. Well said, Anthony. Thank you. Question number three. Man, we are just firing at a at a really good rate right now. Uh, from the 636, if the Blues still struggle to score tonight, including the power play, do you think Scott Perunovich gets a start on Saturday? So I was talking about this with a couple of people down at the rink, and it, it, right now it's difficult to find some ice time for Scott Perunovich because you preach defending all offseason and all preseason, and you have done that. You've fulfilled you know, what you've said you would do. So if you now decide to get weaker defensively, and this is no shot at Scott Perunovich, he just doesn't have the defensive chops yet in the NHL that uh, the Blues would like him to have. Or guess what? He'd be in the lineup right now. Um, So, but that being said, if the power play struggles mightily again tonight, if they don't generate scoring opportunities, good solid looks, good shots on net, I could see a world where Craig Berube would go with 11 forwards and seven defensemen on Saturday against the Penguins. Uh, That would give Perunovic some opportunity on the power play, maybe a spotted shift here and there against some of the other teams you know, third or fourth line guys. But at the same time, if it is a close game, you can also, you know, leave them on the bench and go with your top six that you've mm-hmm. been playing with. So tonight will dictate a lot for the Blues when it comes to who may or may not play based upon, you know, power play success. Question number four. Anthony, I think you really like this one. Uh, this is from... The 618. Did you guys see the video of a couple Eagles players on in the front row at the Phillies game the other night? Great stuff. It was awesome. Yeah, it was DeAndre Swift and I, I can't remember who who was sitting yeah, I can't sitting behind either. beside him. But yeah, they were talking about they were talking about the the game and I don't know if they were were they mic'd up? They must have been mic'd up. Well, they had to have been mic'd up. I mean, up. I don't know how else you get that audio of I, them. I mean, unless you've got the ultimate spy mic. Yeah. That I don't is, know. They were they were genuinely funny like they weren't trying to be funny they were just talking about the game and it and it is amazing like they had they almost had this like little little kid awe of of the game of baseball as they were talking which was really cool and then they were just you know swift called the the home run he goes i want to see a home run it's gonna happen right here Schwarber too. Schwarber goes, hit the first run yeah i told you i told you <laughs> and then uh one of the phillies players was you know they were they were rounding third and they're come on come on it was funny it was good i watched in the the office today it's fantastic Question number five. All right, gentlemen, the Jags and the Saints are playing tonight in Thursday night football. Which team has the better opportunity to blow the game tonight? To blow the game? Blow the game. Oh, for me, it's the New Orleans Saints. It's Derek Carr throwing a pick six. (laughs) Like a pick six. In the red zone. Oh yeah, that that's that's I, Derek Carr. Stuff I think right it's there. Derek Carr too, but I I think it's 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 a more uh, frustrating way. 
such as he, he you need eight and he, he throws it four. It's one of those deals. You know, throw to the – you got one shot at the end zone and he, he goes check down Charlie. I think it's that. I don't see Jacksonville. They got good coaching. You know, Doug Peterson knows what he's doing. I, I don't think they, they blow it. So the Saints would be the one that I think they would choke in the end. For sure. Hey, by the way, did you see Jameis Winston last week talking with Alvin Kamara and everyone was trying to figure out what he was saying? Mm-mm. He was like dancing in front of him? Yeah, he was like yeah. complaining about something and Kamara was just like, eh, I mean, I don't know what to tell you yeah. kind of thing. I wonder if the I wonder if there's any uh, animosity in that locker room right now because of what, you know, you bring in Derek Carr, the guy hasn't done anything good. Right. That's the thing well, about maybe teams. Maybe he was just trying to get him going too. Maybe he was. Yeah, you never yeah. know. That's the thing about that's the thing about teams like that. You know, you make one move thinking you're. We we, we talk about this a lot. You're never one guy away. Mm-hmm. You're never one player away. And I fell for it with the Saints. And it was mostly because it's a bad division. Mm-hmm. So you look at the teams in the division. You're like, all right, I'll I'll buy into this offseason move. Russ was the same thing a year ago. Russell Wilson goes to Denver. Everybody's like, ah, right, playoff contender. You kind of overlook some of the things that have gone. On. Russ was the Russ has been the same guy he was in his final year with Seattle. Derek Carr has really this season has been the same guy he was in Oakland and Vegas. Same exact dude, mm-hmm. but it's us who we think that the because the variable has has changed slightly that everything's going to be fine now. All right, we got to get to Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, will join us next here in the Fast Lane on One Hundred and One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. We welcome in Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues. You can hear him tonight as the Blues take on the Coyotes pregame right here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN, starting at 6 o'clock. Kerbs, how are you? Anthony, doing well today. How are you? We're we're, uh, we're both doing good, Kerbs. Uh, we're looking forward to hockey being back here. And after a, uh, a long break, we're looking forward to this Coyotes game. Uh, we were talking about, Jamie and I were talking about this Coyotes team. This is This is one you don't want to overlook with some of the young talent that they have. Yeah, to me this year for about the Coyotes, though, it's not as much about the young talent. And and we still have to include a Clayton Keller in his 86, 87 points last year as part of young talent, even though he's in his eighth year in the league. But they brought in some veteran guys this year as well. And it's, it's something that it, I just believe is so critical to the continued development of, a, uh, of, of an organization. It is so hard to get rid of a losing culture. I mean, it's, you, you can fracture a winning culture in no time flat. It's not as easy to lose a losing culture. And sometimes to do that, you've got young players that are ready to take the next step. You've got to surround them with some veteran players that, that can make a difference and help bring that along and, and do a better job of showing them how to be pros. And so I, I, think, I think it's as well-rounded of an Arizona Coyotes team as we've seen in a long time. And that's even – and listen, last year – they absolutely fed it to the Blues in terms of goals against. So I'm curious how this game plays out tonight. Kurt, talking about young players, sure. development, and certainly the game tonight. Joel Holfer gets his first start of the season. Um, what can we expect from the big boy? 
Well, you know, if you remember when he came in and played those, uh, I think it was, what, five games last year, it was he, he was just very solid. He, some people have described him to me as, you know, Jordan Bennington, uh, just just bigger, you know, and, uh, and, and taller. So I think you're looking for a guy that can play the puck really well, which is real good. That's an aspect of the two goaltenders last year versus this year that is such a big difference. If you watch Jordan Bennington play, Jamie, and and the puck gets dumped in, you know having been in a defenseman. When our defensemen don't have to go behind the net to get the puck because they know the goalie's got it, and the defensemen only have to go to the bottom of the circles or maybe where the goalie meets the boards, one, that saves a ton of skating, but two, it just makes getting out of your zone that much easier. This year, unlike last year, the Blues have two goalies that can play the puck. So I think from a defensive standpoint, it's actually going to be an easier transition for the Blues defenseman to have Hofer in that because they know he can play the puck. So uh, I'd expect him to be excited um, and, and getting in there again. His first game of this year, his first game in his first his first game now up with the big club full time, and uh, I'm excited to see how he does as well. But uh, I'm looking for athleticism and puck playing ability to help the team out. Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, joins us right now on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, we had this conversation earlier as well, the Blues' new defensive system. Uh, do you think there's any issue with the early returns being good for the defensive system, but do you think it's taken away at all from their o- offensive output? I actually th- think it might be a little too early to tell because I, th- I think it was clear that but what I've seen in practice is, is they – it's clear that they wanted to focus on that side of the puck in their own zone, and that was a major focus. And then in practices, you're seeing a lot of battle drills, and battle drills both for the forwards to get out of the corner to the net and for the defensemen to defend you know, that better. So um, I think it's too early for me to say if to see if one it really impacts the other yet. For example, like I note like the power play, which is a pretty hot-button topic and justifiably so. You only have two shots on goal, but you have six shots that miss the net. You know, I think I think if the Blues had a couple of their chances that they've missed the net, actually put them on net, they'd probably go in, and we might not be talking about that as much, right? So um, I, I still think maybe we give that another handful of games uh, before we, we think that there's a correlation from one to the next. But when I did talk to Craig Berube today, one of the keys he said to this game tonight against the Coyotes is play the puck below their goal line. Get the puck below their goal line and play with it back there forcing their speed to have to stand around and forcing their team to defend in their own zone versus speed through the neutral zone the other way. Curbs, with the uh, the absence of Pavel Buchnevich, hopefully not long-term, uh, Alexei Torpchenko elevated in the lineup. Uh, young Alexandrov, Nikita Alexandrov gets in there. What kind of an impact do you think Torpchenko can have playing alongside Braden Shen and Casper uh, Kapanen? Well, he's going to bring some speed and he's going to bring some physicality. And I think Craig Berube is looking for that size to help hold on to the puck in that offensive zone. Much like, you know, we were just talking about play the puck below the Arizona goal line, right? I, his ability with some speed to close the gap a little bit, I think, is going to be important. Then if there's a turnover, he's got the ability, and we saw it in the last game. He back-checked and broke up a two-on-one really, really well with a great stick. So to me... I think it's that element of his game that is intriguing for Craig Berube on that line against this opponent. Curbs, I know it's early, but what what's one player, one uh, facet of the game that, that you have found interesting thus far? 
Well, uh, I'll, I'll take well, I'll take three things for you real quick. Oh, first off, I, I I like the way Jordan Cairo has played these first two games, um, and I especially liked uh, both ends of the ice for him in the last game. I, I think that's encouraging, and it, it's it's not a shocker that good defense leads to some offense, and that led to a goal by that line. Um, I I like what I've seen with Colton Pareko, his stick. He leads the team in block shots. Um, I mean, he's he's got the third most block shots in in the organization since they started tracking that stat. So, and that's behind I think it's Barrett Jackman and Alex Petrangelo. But uh, but I like his game and I like this defensive system for him. And I think you really got to be excited about uh, the goaltending right now. Which, if people listen to me and Jamie probably long enough, they know it's not a surprise to us. But I think you've got to be really happy with what you've seen because this defensive system that you're playing, you are going to give up more shots on goal. But it's going to be from the outside, which should not be a problem for the goaltender if you're boxing out the way you should. Those are the three, uh, I think, really upbeat things that I've seen so far. Curse Colton Pareko, a bit of a lightning rod last year uh, amongst some Blues fans. Uh, having a really good start to his season. His minutes are up there. He looks confident. You know, what else are you seeing from Colton Pareko that you know, maybe wasn't quite there consistently last year? Uh, look, uh, Jamie, I realize that all the defensemen last year would look at you and say they could have been better. Our forwards were so bad last season, It's it, it just – the problem with our defense last year was n- primarily not our defensemen. It was they, they were left out to dry by the forward so doggone much, more times than not, that exa- it exacerbated the demon. Uh, I don't have major problems with, frankly, most of the defensemen from last season like a lot of people did. I thought, look, and if you're going to have an off year, they all had it together maybe. But this season, what you're seeing from Colton, to me, one of the biggest differences, I just, and I love his skating. It, it, to me, you know if Colton Pareko's on his game early on in a game if he's skating the puck. You know, if he, if, he's, if, he's, if he gets that puck, he can skate out of trouble. He can skate out of trouble against any player in the league, and that includes the Crosbys, the, the Ovechkins, the McDavids, the Kellers. It, it, it includes them all. He gets that puck and skates with his body, his reach. He can get out of trouble, and, and that is a big thing for him. The other thing you've seen is they – they they talked to Colton Pareko, Jamie about uh, about being just like frankly being more aggressive, and I think we've seen more aggressive. I I think people uh, look Colton Pareko's always had that eye on him because I think people see the size, they see that skating, they think pronger, they think nastiness. That ain't the case. It's not this player, uh, but his aggressiveness along the board, some of the body checks he's throwing, like it is a joke. He threw two great body checks in that Dallas game, and their off ice official didn't credit him for either head. I have no idea why. So I think his skating and his physicality has been very evident early on. Curbs, good stuff. We'll listen to you tonight for the pregame. And, of course, the play-by-play as the Blues host the Coyotes. Thanks, man. Yeah, we'll have some fun tonight. Thanks, guys. No doubt. That's Chris Kerber again, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. All right, time for our Blues ticket giveaway. We have your chance to win a pair of tickets to see your St. Louis Blues take on the Pittsburgh Penguins this Saturday, October 21st at Enterprise Center. As you know, hockey season, it's back. It's in full swing now. Grab your tickets for an upcoming Blues home game now at stlouisblues.com slash tickets or listen to the trivia question we're about to throw out to you and then text into the Air Comfort Service text line because if you're the 101st texter with the correct answer, 
at 314-399-9646. You're going to win a pair of tickets for that Blues and Penguins game. So here's your trivia question. All right, we're going right back to Curbs. Just a couple minutes ago, he talked about the top three shot blockers in Blues franchise history. Colton Pareko on that list at number three. Number two is Barrett Jackman. Who's the third guy that Curbs talked about as one of the shot blocking gods in Blues history? There you have it. Again, if you have the correct answer, text in 314-399-9646, the Air Comfort Service text line. You'll get a chance to see those uh, Penguins or your Blues take on the Penguins, I should say. The Michigan Wolverines, the football team, accused of sign stealing. What? (laughs) How big of a deal is this? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So apparently the uh, the University of Michigan has been cheating. Or at least that is the allegation. That's an allegation. It's a very serious one, too, Anthony. Certainly. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, this guy's a rules follower, you well, know? Well, well, I mean, he yeah. hasn't been in trouble at all recently. Well, what? Yeah. Am I wrong? A little, little bit. <laughs> bought, some, bought some kid a, a burger, and the NCAA was all over him. Had him sit out the first three games of the season. What? Yep. So this is what's going on. The NCAA is investigating the number two Michigan Wolverines football program amid allegations of sign stealing. The school announced Thursday. Like what's kind of like stop signs? No, no, no. This would be uh, like offensive or defensive sign stealing. Uh, Oh. Uh huh. Uh, Yeah. The Astros are in the building. (laughs) The Astros are in the building. The athletic director for Michigan said, "I want to personally assure you that UM Athletics will offer its complete cooperation to the NCAA in this manner at the University of Michigan." All of us are committed to the highest standards of ethics and uh, blah, 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 blah. My question is, is this a big deal? Is this a big is this a big story? According to Yahoo Sports, Michigan allegedly had people attending games of future opponents as well as possible college football playoff opponents to gather information on signs used to call plays on offense and defense. So what proof could you have of that, right? Because when I think of this, I think, okay, so they're scouting games. Mm-hmm. of potential opponents or future opponents. Right. There's nothing irregular about that. Yeah. And as far as stealing signs are concerned, you know, I, what? how can you prove it? Mm-hmm. How do you prove it? Right. Like, unless you have some kind of digital trail of text messages and pictures and emails and things like that and video. Even if you did. Yeah, but, well, I mean, if you had descriptive, like, hey, by the way, this sign here... Or this signal here means they're going to do a, a, a sweep to the right. Well, that kind of stacks the deck in your favor. It, it does, but how do they know that, though? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think you and I are on the same page here, Jamie. And who cares? How did you gather the information? <laughs> that is my question. How did you gather it? Yeah. Did you sneak through the vents of future opponents? Like, did you go through Maryland's vents and then, you know, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible style hang from the rafters to get their game plans. Because if you didn't do that, and you merely sat in your seat and looked at the defensive signals or offensive signals that were being relayed from the sidelines, what's stopping any fan from doing that? If you're that good at cracking codes, or if you're you're that lazy when it comes to 
your sign stealing, or you're, you're using your signs, I should say. And I don't about, know why I just did this. Oh, because I was like, I was drumming. You're giving me yeah, was, a sign. Yeah. Of like was, jazz fingers. Anyways, who's to say that the opponents that they play don't give you the information? Well, that's a dirty little secret in college football, too. Like, if I'm, let's just say, um, I don't know, I'm Alabama, mm-hmm. and I, I just played Ohio State. <laughs> And Michigan plays Ohio State next week. That'll be quite the schedule for Ohio State. I get it. Okay. <laughs> However, walk with me on this. Yeah, one, I got okay. You. Yeah. And if I don't like Ohio State or whatever, I could call up Jim Harbaugh and say, "Hey, by the way, we caught on a few signals, just so you know. Mm-hmm. And if they call this or this goes up, you know, this is a running play. Like that's been going on forever." In every sport, there's certain teams that help you out. There's certain teams that will tell you to go chase yourself. Mm-hmm. So w- 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 where's the line now? Yeah. I, I don't know. College football, that's why I said it's a, it's kind of the dirty little secret. College football, this isn't necessarily well-known, but if you listen to former coaches or you listen to people that are connected within the game, college football and some of the top programs, they're – Allegedly, there's there's a lot of sign stealing that's going on. Yeah. So again, to me, and this we see this in baseball a lot too. And what do we say in baseball? Hey, protect your signals. Do a better job of protecting your signals. We literally saw a closer, <laughs> Craig Kimbrell, drop the ball as soon as somebody was somebody was over uh, behind him at second base. Intentional. It, it was basically an intentional balk. To move the runner over to third, so that there was no no shot of yeah. stealing the signs. That's how far they went, or he went, to protect signs. Yeah. Now, if, look, if you're putting like Marshy had this argument in the office about it, so if you're putting a camera in center field and you're zooming in and you're cheating that way, that's different. That's different. Yeah. And I do agree with that. So if if Michigan has a camera that's their own camera that's isolated to the bench, yeah, or like the, the Patriots the, did the sidelines, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like okay. Let's not do that. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing from stopping the Patriots or whomever to have a guy with binoculars <laughs> that's staring at the thing the whole time, and by the second half, he's figuring out the cheat code. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then what? Yeah. Change your signs. Yep. You should probably have a different signals for each half, let alone game to game. Sure. If it's Spygate, that's different. You know, you got the Patriots. Oh, they had nothing wrong, Anthony. Well, Jamie. You know what? They were filming. Uh, a segment, and the Rams just happened to be in the background. Well, that was the Ra- that was a different thing. This is the Jets? Oh, I, I, nobody <laughs> cares about the Jets. Okay. <laughs> See, <laughs> if you as long, you can cheat. Just do it to the Jets. Yeah, just okay? pick, a, pick an opponent nobody likes. And right. Nobody cares. Jets, Browns, fine. We oh. won't. We won't bat an eye. <laughs> You do that against one of the teams we like? Uh-uh. I don't think so. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. I, Jamie, I don't know. Maybe we're making too too uh, like we're we're too light on this. We're making too light of this. But uh, again, unless, how are you acquiring the signals? That that matters to me more than what what you know, like anything else. If you're if you're deliberately going out of your way. Breaking in, you got some spy within Big Ten opponents. Like you got a spy in each building. That's different. If you're sitting in the seat and you're scouting, and you're looking at the signs, and you're able to crack the code, change your codes then. Yeah, I totally. Or change your signs. Text line's agreeing with us too. They, I mean, most people in the text line are talking about just 
if they're stealing your signs, do a better job Absolutely. Of, of hiding it or change your signs or your signals, whatever. Totally. So. All right. Uh, we're, we've got Jamie's keys to the game. Plus, we got a uh, mic drop, right, Marsh? Very important mic drop. Oh yeah, from Steve. From Steve-O. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time to get into Jamie's keys of the game for tonight. Blues yeah. and Coyotes. Jamie's got his half a suit ready to go oh, here. Yeah, He's yeah. ready to head down to uh, the Enterprise Center. BT is going to join us from 4 to 6. So looking forward to that. But Jamie, before we we, we bid you adieu, yeah. why don't you get into some keys of the game? All right. So when we, uh, we break down things here, playing against the Coyotes tonight, divisional opponent. Puck possession, or puck management, rather, is my first one. And it's just a fancy way to describe what you do with the puck. Mm -hmm. Don't throw it away, basically. Where are we? Exactly. So, no, puck management is always a key to almost every game. And you'll hear me say it a lot. Because, you know, where you put the puck gives you a chance to either recover it, advance the play, or the play dies because you have terrible puck management. And one thing that hurt the Blues last year a lot was puck management at the lines. You know, we, we talk about Jordan Cairo having a rough year defensively last year. Some of it wasn't even defense. Some of it was just puck management. Hmm. So rather than, you know, chipping it out along the wall, which would be the 100% guaranteed play, we'd try something a little more fancy. And it wouldn't work. And then you're stuck in your own end, and eventually it either leads to a goal in the immediate or... You get tired and the players wear down and then later on it rears its ugly head because you've got tired guys on the ice, whether it's a power play that you give up or a scoring opportunity. So puck management is important. What I want to see the Blues do tonight, as far as that is concerned, is advance the puck behind the Coyotes defenseman. They are not blessed with a very deep, deep defensive core. And so the more you can get them to turn and go chase pucks or you getting ahead of it and retrieve pucks sooner, means you're playing offense in the offensive zone quicker. Mm. You're forcing them to defend, which they're not great at. And right now, you need that offense. You need to start generating some offense. So tonight, managing the puck at all the lines, but specifically to get the puck behind the Coyotes defenseman, is my first key to the game. Second one is puck possession. I know they're they're distant relatives, but they're not the same. And puck possession is that, that style of play in the offensive zone that we've talked about for two, three years now under Craig Berube is that cycling the puck down low. Um, not necessarily the quality over quantity when it comes to shots, but making sure you have the puck for an extended period of time. Now, getting a chance off the rush is nice every now and then, but if you don't score off the rush, odds are you're back to defending immediately. Mm. So tonight, puck possession will be huge. And why is that? Well, because we just talked about the Coyotes defensemen, and defensively, they're not that great. So if you possess the puck longer in the offensive zone, you're forcing them to play... Defense. Defense, that's right. Which you're not great at. Hmm. So don't give the puck back to them. Don't make their life easy. 
Possess the puck, work it down low. You've got some big bodies in the lineup tonight. You've got Hayes, you've got Shen, you've got Sundquist, you've got Torpchenko. You've got some guys that can flat out just keep the puck out there and you can't get it away from them. So play it that way. Play good, smart hockey, keep the puck down low, and force the Coyotes to defend. That's key number two. Number three on my list here is defense. Keep doing what you're doing. I mean, as a whole team, not just the, the defensive core. Yeah. Defensively, do a really good job of taking away the middle of the ice. Uh, player recognition, too. Realize who's on the ice. Take inventory, as I say a lot of times. I used to do it because I was worried about someone taking my head off. So take inventory about who the guy coming over the boards is to kill you. Yeah. Well, in this in this circumstance, it's more about Clayton Keller. It's more, more about Logan Cooley. It's more about Nick Schmaltz. These guys can flat out hurt you offensively. So if you're out there and you don't know who's on the ice, that's a problem. Know who's on the ice. Take away the middle of the ice. Defend well. Colton Pareko has been fantastic so far this season with uh, as far as his angles, his gap management, standing guys up at the blue line. I would expect to see a lot of Colton Pareko against Clayton Keller tonight. Clayton Keller is a very gifted player. I mean, highly skilled, but not blessed with the most speed. So that's a recipe for success for Colton Pareko in a lot of ways because he is blessed with speed, size, and reach. So hopefully he can be a thorn in the side of someone like Clayton Keller tonight. My last one, this one's pretty obvious, gets a power play going. <laughs> so I was going to say, score goal. Yeah, score goal on the power yeah. play. Get some looks out there. Uh, you may have to... You may have to dumb it down for more success. And all that means is instead of worrying about clean zone entries every time where you skate into the opponent's defensive zone with possession of the puck and you set up and oh, it's just beautiful, it may have to be ugly. You may have to chip it behind the defenseman and go get it. Mm -hmm. And then work your tail off to get the puck from low to high, change puck side, spread out that defensive unit out there so that you can create some passing lanes and some shooting lanes. I do want the power play to be predictable tonight. So we, we talk about the one pass, two pass shot. Yeah. Let's get there. But let's make them really good passes. Tape to tape, tape to tape, shot on net, that net front presence. Get an ugly one early, build up the confidence. So those are my four keys to the game. All right, Jamie, uh, real quick, you don't have to play the sounder, Marsh, but it reminded me what, with what we're about to do here. Uh, the Braves, not the Braves, they were eliminated. The Phillies and Diamondbacks. Well, you can take those guys. <laughs> you can take those guys. Uh, go ahead. Pick a Diamondback, pick a Philly. <sighs> I'm going to take... Uh, pick your first one. How about that? And then I'll... I, I, I'm an absolute fool not to take Schwarber. I'm okay. Take Schwarber. All right. So I'll we go... We two guys, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll take... I'll take... Uh, I'm going to go back to the wall. Give me Bryce Harper. Uh-huh. And give me... Give me Christian Walker tonight for the Diamondbacks. Okay. So Harper will be my Philly. Walker will be my diamondback i'm going tommy fam okay all right he's sitting fifth tonight right after walker yeah so hopefully walker pops one and yeah, then... hopefully not <laughs> all right of course schwarber can lead off the game with a home run that's what i'm thinking baby and then jamie wins and that's it <sighs> okay now yeah that scared me <laughs> let's like, go boys we need you to score more goals get those loose pucks thomas to Cairo. score goal no big deal <laughs> I love. I love. Uh, not only Chief is in there, but Roy Kent made an appearance as well. <laughs> Need you to score more goals. Uh, all right, so we're gonna do the same, similar thing with it with the home runs. Who scores the first goal tonight? First and this, Blues goal. First, exactly. Yeah. First Blues. First Blues goal. So Marsh, why don't you go ahead and and kick things off here? 
I'm going to go with Oscar Sundquist. Ooh. Oscar Sundquist All is right. off, off the board. Jamie. Oh, Anthony, I, you go ahead. I'll go Jordan Cairo. Oh, really going off the I'll board? I'll take on the truck. All take right. the chalk with Cairo. So Cairo for Anthony Stalter. Here's where I'm going with it, guys. I'll tell you why. I'm going Braden Shen okay. on this one. Why? Because you've got an extremely motivated Alexei Torpchenko that's going to get in there. He's going to cause a lot of havoc, a lot of damage. going to create a loose puck, and Braden Shen's going to be able to put that thing home, baby. There you go. Captain. First goal tonight. Okay. Now, over the last two days, there's been a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle. What? Among shows, I, I honestly i I feel as though that I was almost dragged into this one. I didn't really know I didn't know what was going on. No. When did this even start, Marsh? You're gonna have to provide a little backstory before we play this mic drop. I guess it was yesterday. Was it yesterday that we got the text about someone peeing on the on the floor? Or yeah, was I guess that two days ago. Yeah, I think wasn't the Riz show complaining about the small bathroom here? It's it's just the individual. Yes, we'll call it the executive bathroom because mm-hmm. we have a we have a regular bathroom and then. We've got like a small executive bathroom with just one toilet mm-hmm. here at the studios. And the Riz show is complaining about somebody, I guess, peeing on the floor or yes. making a mess or something. That is what I have gathered from our text line. And then the Riz show, I believe, blamed TMA. Yes. Because they're right there. That studio is right there where they, were, they, they do their show. It's right next to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So somebody brought it to us. And then we said, yeah, that sounds about right. It's probably TMA. And then one, and then we've got. Steve, who left us a mic drop, uh, and he he called us cowards for not playing it. Well, here you go, Steve. I mean, I get it. We're kind of in between seasons here. Not really much to talk about. Stop it! You three idiots are talking about somebody peed on the floor! Why don't you do this? Why don't the three of you stand down on Clark Avenue and I'll splash the piss water from my pool on you. Get your asses over to the stadium and find out why we haven't signed anybody or traded for anybody or added anybody to this last place Cardinals team. And Rivers, get your ass over to the locker room and tell these we want a Stanley Cup and we want it now. Thank you and good night. Tired of it. Well, I hope there's medical experts nearby. Yeah. Uh, Somebody's got to check on. Wow. Just Cardiac the mental arrest. health. Yeah, well, mental health, too, I think needs to be kind of well, yeah, thrown in there. Um, well, a couple things, Steve. One, thank you for the, uh, the screaming mic drop. Mm. It's always a pleasure to get those. But, uh, Anthony, you can correct me if I'm wrong, of course. Yeah, is it uh, the Cardinals thing? The uh, Cardinals yeah. haven't been able to, oh, I don't know, do anything yet. Because uh, they're not allowed to. Yeah, season's not over. That didn't stop Michigan from doing what they did. Yeah, well, this uh, is during the season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. It's a little different than transactions. But, right, right. Uh, I mean, I like Steve's passion. So do I. Maybe mm. He should maybe not let the facts get in the way of his thoughts, but you yeah. know. Yeah. And I don't like that there's pee water in his pool. I, well, well, we've talked about the pee pool before. Yeah, I wonder if it's the spot. same one. Yeah. I think he's. I think. I think Steve was alluding to the people segment we okay. had a little while ago mm-hmm. about the Cardinals. Sure. So with that, you know, I respect it. Well, thanks for listening. The reference to yeah, the post show. Mm-hmm. Really, I don't have a problem with what Steve said. I really don't want to be splashed with pee. I'd have a little bit of an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, samesies um, on that. But uh, I just hope he's okay. You know, mm-hmm. blood pressure a little yeah. high there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right, Jamie, get yeah. out of here. We'll yeah, see you, Jamie, buddy. get down to the locker room yeah. and get us a Stanley Cup. That part, I think, holds water. Not yeah. pee water. No. Regular water. Lots of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See you, buddy. Well, thank you. We'll be watching you, Valley Sports Midwest, while listening right here to 101 <laughs> ESPN, the Blues Radio Network. It's Fast Late. Brad Thompson joins us for the last two hours of the show, and we got the gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Four oh three. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter, and our guy BT is joining us for the final two hours of the show today. What's up, BT? What's going on, Anthony? Good to see you, brother. Yeah, same to you. You ready to rock, man? No, I forget how to play this game. Okay. So let's uh, <laughs> let's see what happens here. Well, if you get chosen, BT, then you know this will be your uh, your first your first time back, and maybe maybe you're the one to to choose today. We'll find out. Marsh, okay. who do we have today? Today we have Ryan joining us in the gauntlet. All right, Ryan, how are you? Pretty good, sir. How are you? We're doing great. Would you like to take on Brad Thompson, Andrew Marsh, or me today in the gauntlet? I'll let him uh, shake the dust off. I'll uh, take on BT today. All right. Perfect. BT. It's go time already. All right, so I guess I'm, I'm going to lay the headset down. Uh, I'm going to stand way across my basement. You guys want to call me or text me when it's go time? BT, I will text you. Okay. When it's time to come back. How about that? I'll get my phone Sounds up good. right here. All right, cool. Sounds so, good. BT. I'll see you guys in a bit. Best of luck. Sounds good. So BT's going to go in his makeshift cone of silence. Ryan, you're going to tell Marsh to spin the wheel to find out what category you get today. Go ahead. All right, Marsh, spin that wheel. What category are you hoping for? Uh, random. Hoping for random. You know, the wheel has loved random, and it continues to love random. It nails random for you so congratulations there ryan you got random today so marsh is gonna get the uh launch codes out here for us perfect i'll remind everybody four questions same four questions to both bt and to ryan today each question is worth two points unless ryan or bt ask for the options if they do and they get the question right that question is worth one point instead of two ryan you ready Yes, sir. Okay, question one. What is the name of the purple McDonald's char- character? What is the Grimace. name? Of- there you go. I'll say for our generation, it probably, it's probably a layup. <laughs> Final answer? Yes, sir. All right, question number two. The U.S. Naval Academy is located in which city? Annapolis. Final answer? Final answer. Yes, sir. All right, Ryan. Santiago is the capital of which South American country. Santiago is the capital of which South American country? I'm sorry, you up there. Could you repeat, please? Sure. Santiago is the capital of which South American country? Um, I'll take the options. Is it Uruguay, Chile, or Paraguay? Par- Paraguay, uh, excuse me, Paraguay. Uh, my first thought was Chile, so that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Final answer. 
Final question for you, Ryan. At what temperature in Celsius does water boil? Options, please. Options are 50 degrees, 75 degrees, 100 degrees. 100 degrees. Final answer. All right. I will text BT right now to come back. Come back. How you feeling, Ryan? Okay. Okay. Right. Hey, that's that's, that's honest. Our, yeah. Yeah. We love it. So we just sent BT the text message here. We're we're lot we're looking at his, his here home. he comes his home in uh, beautiful Illinois. BT, you got us. I uh, I got you. I am back. My basement is a wreck. My kids are grounded. Hey, that you know what, BT? If you see my, if you see our basement, yours looks fantastic. Trust me. I went down there the other day. I'm like, well, this won't do. I think every toy they took out and just scattered it everywhere. Did but, you find a snake again? No, 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 no snake this time. I'm sure he's down That's there though. Good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Brad, are you ready? I'm always ready, Anthony. You have random today. The wheel spun random. Oh, that's better than hockey. I'll tell you that right now. That <laughs> All is right. way better. Here we go. Question number one. What is the name of the purple McDonald's character? Oh, Grimace. Of course. I had a teammate. He'll, he'll be uh, remain nameless. His nickname was Grimace. He was just dumpy and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he knows what his nickname is, actually. Come to think of it, we called him that behind his back. But okay. Yeah, Grimace. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, you final answer on that? That is the final answer. Okay. All right, BT, question number two. The U.S. Naval Academy is located in which city? Yeah, no, everybody should know that. That's kind of very important. Um, I'm, uh, U.S. Naval Academy. I'm, why, I'm thinking Virginia, Norfolk? Give me the options just in case. Options are Albany, Annapolis, Augusta. Annapolis. Final answer? Yeah, final answer. All right, BT, question three. Santiago is the capital of which South American country? Oh, boy. I'm, I'm thinking Chile right off the top of my head. Santiago, Chile. That sounds right. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Chile or Chile or C-H-I-L-E. Probably got one of those little little accent things <laughs> somewhere, too. <laughs> but I'm going to go with that letters. final answer. All right. Yeah. Question number four. At what temperature in Celsius does water boil? Celsius? Uh, 100. Final answer? Yeah, I'll try that. Okay. Let's go over these. At what temperature is Celsius... uh, At what temperature in Celsius does water boil? Ryan, you said 100 degrees. BT, you said 100 degrees. Correct answer is... It is 100 degrees. It is 100 degrees. BT did uh, did not need the options, though, so BT's got a 2-1 lead over Ryan. Santiago is the capital of which South American country? Ryan, you said Chile. BT, you said Chile. Correct answer is... It is Chile. BT did not need the options again, so he's got a 4-2 lead over Ryan. The U.S. Naval Academy is located in which city? Ryan, you went Annapolis. BT, you win. Annapolis. Correct answer is... 
It is Annapolis. Ryan was the one that did not need the options for this, though. So BT... Model American right there. There you go. (laughs) Tell of a model American. (laughs) BT has got a five, quick math on this, four lead over Ryan. What is the name of the Purple McDonald's character? Ryan, you went Grimace. BT, you went Grimace. Correct answer is... It is Grimace. Neither of you needed the options. Ryan... You have chosen poorly. You lose! Not today! <laughs> Ryan, I gotta tell you, I don't know many that score six, get all the questions right, and still lose. But BT, by virtue of those last two, Chile and 100 Degrees, not needing the options, those are the th- those were the two that put them over the top. BT gets you seven to six today. Sorry, man. Well, that was a hell of a performance, BT, so congratulations. Ryan, I got to tell you what, if you were trying to bump up my confidence for the rest of this show, you nailed it. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm riding sky high. I'm feeling pretty good, man. Thank you for playing. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Nice shot, BT. You did, there was no Woo! dust. There was no dust to so, knock off. Uh, you know, oddly enough, Anthony, all I do now is trivia and crossword puzzles. I'm pretty bored. So uh, <laughs> that's kind of what that's kind of kind of my, my niche now, if you will. I like that. No, I don't know how that that worked out quite well. No, it's it. Yeah, nice job, man. And uh, Ryan, again, Ryan was on his game, too. Six points, yeah, but BT it. got it. Seven. So there you go. We had a, a very entertaining start to the final two hours of the show. We're going to get into Cardinals baseball. We're going to get into some fun games. Hot take or hot garbage we'll play. I think at one point maybe we'll do an NFL fill-in-the-blank. BT is uh, one of the quickest on the draws that we know, so that the NFL fill-in-the-blank is right up his alley. So we'll do a lot of that. But I did want to get into this with BT. So we saw... At least from a Vegas standpoint, a lot of upsets thus far in Major League Baseball. Besides just the randomness of baseball. Why is that? Upsets galore. Why? We'll get into that next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, you may not have looked at the Rangers beating the Rays as an upset, but from a Vegas standpoint, it was. Same thing with the Rangers over the Orioles. The Diamondbacks certainly were heavy underdogs against the Dodgers and and even the Brewers. Uh, And the Braves were Vegas favorites to win that series against the Phillies. Although, again, many of you may not have considered that a, a huge upset. With Brad Thompson, I'm Anthony Stalter. BT, besides just the playoff randomness... Because that we we all we all see that in baseball. There, there's baseball is a random sport as it is. When you get in the postseason, shorter series, that randomness really comes into play. Do you see any other reason why we have had have had the upsets that we have had thus far in Major League Baseball? I mean, not really, Anthony. We talked about this last week uh, of the the fact that there there really aren't teams that, in my opinion, are quote unquote built for the postseason, right? you got to be able to get there, and then you have to be able to catch the breaks. Now, if you're looking for trends, well, power has been a trend, right? If you're Mm -hmm. hitting home runs, uh, if you're hitting home runs, the teams that out-homer the opposition are 17-3 and in the postseason. Like, that is a trend, and that is one where Arizona is getting out-homered at a pretty high clip right now by the Phillies 
Don't know if they're going to be able to catch up. Actually, I'm positive. They will not be able to catch up. I feel pretty confident <laughs> in that one, uh, in, in that series. Look, teams, they again, trends, right? You're a, you're a Vegas trends guy, Anthony. Mm-hmm. Uh, teams that score first are 20-7 and seven so far in the postseason. So, like, those things uh, are, like, stand out to you a little bit, but they're all just, just random things. Look, I, I feel like... Well, right now, out of all the teams that are – out of the four teams that are left, would it shock you if any of them won the World Series? I think the answer probably is yes, and it's the Diamond yeah. at this point. Outside of that, that would no. be the one. No, because Houston, yeah, and- Houston's been there, done that. Texas is certainly good enough, and, we, and, and I think we've all kind of have come alive watching the Phillies. Like, oh, wow, this is the team to beat right now. Dude, they're they're a lot of fun to watch, mm-hmm. and I know that their fans have been getting a, a lot of uh, great praise, rightfully so. That place has been rocking over there. I'm sure they're all saying nice stuff to the opposition. <laughs> they always do that, so that's always that's always good news over there. But so the Arizona is the team that is the the shocker right here for everybody. And when you look at it on paper, and you look at last series that they knocked out the Dodgers, you say, man, that is really surprising. Well, when you look at how it happened, and you look at them, you look at a blow up in the postseason from Kershaw. He only lasts a third of an inning. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Bobby Miller, their rookie, who lasts only an inning and two-thirds. When you get two innings out of your two first starting pitchers, you're not going to win that series. Like It's just not going to happen for you, Anthony. So, look, I don't think that there's much more than the randomness of baseball. I think you have to be a complete team. Uh, I think that you have to have great leadership. But all these teams ha- have all of those things, especially the three that you believe can win. I don't know. When, when you're looking at it right now, is there something that, that pops out to you specifically about what we've seen and why we've seen it? The home runs, which you, which you covered. The home runs have really stood out. So the teams that are popping the ball out of the yard consistently are winning right now in the postseason. I think the other thing that is, and quite frankly, this is always held up, and you know this, but it's the pitching. If you look at the Dodgers, for example, the Dodgers came into the playoffs. Clayton Kershaw had a 2.23 ERA, which is okay. It's great, right? You do you, you dive into the advanced metrics. How about a 5-4 FIP? That's not great, Anthony. No. So it's measured. So it's it's a different form where you're looking at just the pitcher and you're adjusting for the ballpark and all that. But it's red just like an ERA. So if I told you Kershaw's ERA was 5 5.40, were you are you are you that surprised that he struggled? Probably not. No. So if no, you think he's about a that. Bum, actually. I don't know why you're paying that kind of money <laughs> for total, a 5-4 ERA. <laughs> he's a total bum. <clears throat> Excuse me. You got me on that one. Bobby Miller. Strong form, rookie, no playoff experience, right? And then you got Lance Lynn, and we all love Lance Lynn. We love we, we love that bulldog mentality. We love sure. what he did for the Cardinals. I think a lot of people would have loved to see him continue his career in St. Louis. He led the majors with 44 home runs allowed this season. He entered he entered the postseason. What did he do? What did he do? Give up a bunch Real of home quick. runs. Yeah. Anthony, hands up. Uh, uh, even I didn't give up 44 home runs in a year. Now, in all fairness, I also didn't approach 200 innings. Like it doesn't Lance matter. Does, okay? You didn't give up 44, 44 and, home runs in a season. No, no. I mean, close, probably, uh, but never that many. That just means he's aggressive in the zone. But, yeah, like <laughs> you could see that one playing out, right? It, all four of the home runs were in one inning, weren't they? Yes, they uh, were. Against Arizona? Like, yep. It, so that is one. Look, if you can't hit the ball out of the ballpark, I know that a lot of, uh, a lot of traditional old-school baseball fans – don't love the style of baseball right now, and I understand that. There is a, there are situations where you're watching in games, big playoff games, mm-hmm. where a ground ball to the right side will get the job done, and you still see the lift and separate.
great sure. things. Like, oh, give it to me. Like, I, I understand. Uh, I understand why that might not be appetizing for a lot of people. But at the end of the day, the home runs are what got a lot of these teams there. There are that's what's changing these games. That's what changed Game Three, even though it was off the bat of somebody that nobody expected. It the home run off Scherzer, or a guy that can't hit a fastball, and amazing how quickly innings get away. And that's another thing because Scherzer, I wouldn't say he he wasn't cruising necessarily. He was erratic, but it was a two strike, an O two hit batter, a walk, a single, a wild pitch, and then the Maldonado home run. Right. That ended up changing everything for him it's it's the home run it is the power that really does you know really does shift things so looking looking at that from that lens Anthony and looking forward to 2024 with what you know about the Cardinals Mm -hmm. do you believe that that offense can play in the postseason yeah I do provided it's one of those things right so so we're talking about the home runs but you and I both appreciate all aspects of the offense. We, yeah. we appreciate when a guy can look at 20 pitches, foul off 10 of them, and then draw a walk. Like there's a, we, we appreciate that. A lot of Cardinals fans appreciate that. Laying down a bunt, or at least not even laying down a bunt as much as just thinking the game. You know, Yadier Molina comes to mind in this, and that, okay, if I get a first pitch and it's outside, I'm going to drive the runner over just by going to the right side. All right, thinking the game. So that is all, that, that all has to be in your arsenal, right? You're all, that, that every Everything has to be in your, your toolbox if you're going to be a successful offense during the regular season. But as we're talking about, then when you get to the postseason, not only do you have to have guys that can put the ball out of the yard, they also have to do so. Right, they have to, they have to come through, but just on paper, BT, we know that Nolan's got pop, both Nolans for that matter. We, we know that Gorman's got pop. We know that Arnado's got pop. We know Goldie's got pop. We know that who else am I missing here? Um, well, I think Contreras. Contreras, both. Yeah, Contreras has pop. So, uh, Walker. So when you look at just everything on paper, and you ask the question, do the Cardinals have the offense to? make a deep run of the postseason again on paper yes i think so what about you but you know i i do too it's again they have to get there they have to prove it and they have to come up with the big hits at the biggest time right uh that that has been an issue by the way that that brings me up uh last night anthony i don't know if i ever told you this i don't sleep well so oftentimes i'm there just laying in bed and i just start reading stuff which is probably why i don't sleep well i get on my phone they say that's really bad for you it's not good light late at night yeah Yeah. it's not good anyways i was doing that stuff that's bad for you late at night (laughs) Uh, and uh, i'm reading a piece and i think it was at the athletic it was eno saris and uh, like eno is great worked for fangrass forever big numbers guy job yeah huge analytical guy like uh, and he he had a piece, and I thought it was really interesting, and I, I want to get your take on it, of the the idea of clutch. And mm-hmm. uh, it, we've talked about this in the past. Like, and basically he's laying out that there is no clutch. Like there's not a clutch player or there is not a, a way to, to go ahead. Your eyes – our eyes lie to us sure. when we're looking at a clutch player, which I understand some of it. But I also know what it feels like to be out there in front of thousands and thousands of people, and I know what that can do to somebody in that moment, some rise to it, some strength to it. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting thing. Do you, do you still believe in clutch? Absolutely. Yes. That's one of those things I wish that, uh, we'll just call them the analytics crowd, would also come over on, right? They, they finally did so. With, and by the way, I enjoy looking at analytics because I view them – for what they are. They're not good or bad. They're not ruining the game. They're, it's data that 
Yeah, the that, tools. Yeah, that players and coaches and teams are looking at. And it's not always in-game decisions. It's, of course, whether or not to pay somebody market value based on whether or not they're going to be worth it. Like, that analytics come into play there. It's the whole money ball thing. So I, I view analytics as, as, as a tool, a resource. One thing, though, that I feel like the analytics crowd came over on, BC, and, and you know this, is the, the ninth inning guy. The ninth inning was, it was always, ah, it shouldn't matter. You could put anybody in the ninth as long as they have kind of that, that metric resume, they're, they're going to be fine. But as we know, and you did it for a living, you, you lived that, the ninth inning is a different beast. And I feel like the analytical crowd came over on that and said, yeah, I, for whatever reason, the, the, numbers don't, the numbers suggest that the ninth is the same. But for whatever reason, it's not. And the other thing that clut the clutch, I wish, I wish the analytics crowd would come over on that too, because I do believe that there's something as clutch. Yeah, and, it's just and, unmeasurable. Uh, you should read the piece too, Anthony. If you sleep terribly, <laughs> uh, you, you should check that out at say three, four in the morning, uh, potentially. It's the best time to read later. those. But he he laid it out perfectly though, and he's not wrong in the idea. Like we see something in a moment, we watch Bryce Harper do what he's doing. It's like that guy is clutch all the time. Then right. you go back and look at the numbers, uh, maybe in tight and late situations. By the way, tight and late this year, he was really good. A couple of years ago, he was really bad in those situations. But we we do build those narratives. I just know this: there are there are certain guys that I want up in spots like that. Now that being said, Anthony, those guys tend to be really good players that I would want up right. in any spot at any time uh so maybe that goes into that uh, a little bit as well and the, the other one is the idea anthony of protection in a lineup there's a, mm. a lot of guys uh and keith law friend of the show is one of those guys <laughs> that really uh rails against uh protection in the lineup yeah i think that that is as real as tell me that's not real right now in the postseason when somebody is hot as hell you got let's use castellanos if you want deep drive to left sure like if if he's up there and he's on fire you're telling me you could just put any bum behind Castellanos and no. feel pretty good about it? No. Hell no. Like, yeah. Keith Law real, real. is a tool. There you go, Janet. Yep. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, though. That's one of those things, Brad, where I can never not say that that is uh, – I think I did use a double negative there. I could never say that protection in a lineup doesn't matter after listening to our guy Dunk for about seven years on the turn. Talk Hit about second with Albert. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that that will never not be a thing to me, you know, because he because he lived it and he talked about that all the time. So it's like, guess I'm getting heaters. Yeah, and then he used to do the old Albert imp- impersonation or the impression. He'd he'd go, he'd go get a hit, do it, come on, <laughs> do, it. do it. He turned Albert into Arnold. He turned Arnold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, now like, double now. Like like Dunk was about to get under the squat rack. Do it. <laughs> This is brilliant. All right, uh, that's Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Salter. BT filling in for Jamie for the next hour and a half. It is the Fast Lane, and while we do a little hot take or hot garbage, you send in a statement, or Marsh has got some statements lined up for us. Brad and I will discuss whether or not that statement is hot, uh, a hot take or hot garbage. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Brad Thompson filling in for Jamie Rivers, who's got Bally Sportsman West duty tonight for the Blues and the Coyotes. Don't forget, you can listen to that game right here on 101 ESPN pregame, starting right after us here in the Fastlane at 6 o'clock. 
Time to play hot take or hot garbage. Marsh, what do you got for us? All right, right. Real quick, real yes. quick, Marshy. Sorry, Anthony. I can't help but notice since I've been gone, you just all you just did was church up true or poo a little bit. Well, Brad, is you, all you did right there. Brad, you, you took true or poo, something that was that everybody loved and wanted and uh, just just waited for all the time, and then you turned it into something else. BT, you know better than anybody that every single benchmark on all these shows are basically true or poo. <laughs> every single one of them. Take it or I mean, leave we'll it. Call it by its name. All right, true or poo. Let's play hot take or hot ah, garbage. <laughs> From the 661, hot take or hot garbage, Lamar Jackson will not win a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. I still think that's hot garbage. Lamar Lamar is finally... I, uh, can we be a little patient? I'm wearing the t-shirt today. Can we be a little patient? Lamar is finally in an offense that does not require... Uh, the least amount amount of ma- imagination ever known to man like the 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 offenses that he was playing in under greg roman you literally would see the same route mirrored on both sides bt so whoever the the outside receiver was on the left side of lamar would run uh you know a dig same thing on the other side if there's mark andrews and, and a slot receiver lined up inside they would run the same thing and defense has figured it out he's finally in a big boy offense it's going to take a little time before he puts up the fantasy numbers again but if you watch if, if you've been watching the games he's been very efficient i think he looks better now than he has over the last couple of years and at some point given that the defense is good and they, they've got some skill position players that i like and mark andrews and zay flowers there's enough there i don't know if they're going to win the super bowl this year but i i don't think that I think it's hot garbage to just say you will never win one with the Ravens. Going hot take, Anthony. This is oh, a hot take on, for sure. And it's this is not an indictment on Lamar Jackson. Sure, it feels not. like it. You laid out all the reasons why he's good, just not good enough. When you're in a conference <laughs> that has Mahomes, I know that you know Joe Burrow maybe hasn't started off exactly as planned. Josh Allen again, not exactly as planned, but still a high power offense. And you got guys like you know Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, they're all kind of guys that he can run into uh, over there, Anthony. I, I think that it's just. It's such a strong conference, and, like, it always – for anybody that was the quarterback behind Tom Brady every year, where it's like, ah, dang it. Like, that's Mahomes. Like, yeah. that's that's that now. Like, you're always, like, watching him uh, run off into the sunset. I think that that is a hot take that Lamar will not win a Super Bowl as a member of the Ravens. It, it reminds me – what you just did, it kind of reminds me – I don't know if it was South Park or Family Guy, one of those, and they're having a debate. It might have been South Park and they're, or um, Family Guy, and they're having a debate. And one side, they're like they're 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 getting in depth, and then Peter would just go, you know, something like, uh, you know, like um, America is great, and he'd get. Oh yes, you could. I think it was whether he was running for school board. Is that what it was? I think so. Okay, Brett, and you're right. All you could like, I could have said something, and then you could just say Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I'd say something else. Trevor Lawrence. <sighs> Say something like Joe Burrow, and you'd be absolutely right. That's the only problem. I mean, that was the only problem really for Peyton Manning. It's Tom Brady. Peyton Manning could have five Super Bowls had he played in the the NFC, or if Tom Brady was in the NFC full time. So, no, that's a great point. From the two one seven, and this one is interesting. 
Hot take or hot garbage. Alternate telecast, like the Manning cast, which True TV is doing this NLCS, are going to be much more common as the regular broadcast is often not great. Oh, I I I don't think so. I hot garbage. The regular <laughs> broadcast of everything you watch is fantastic. Of course. It's it outstanding is. and you love it and you want more of it. Yes. Uh, that being said, I love some of the alt, uh, alternate broadcasts. Like I think that they are a lot of fun. They can be insightful. Uh, and, and some of the pieces that you bring in, honestly, it's something that I wish I wish that we did. I think we had some conversations this year about potentially doing something like that moving forward. Not yeah. all the time, but every once in a while. I think it, I think it would be outstanding. But I got to go hot garbage because what you're watching, night in, night out, is oh, solid, cold. absolutely. I'm only I'm only gonna go hot take for the idea of we'll probably see it more because if you're, I, I love I love the Mannings, and when I see clips of the Manning cast, I, I'm always laughing. I never tune into the Manning cast, though, BT, because I want my traditional broadcast yeah. for the football game. And I'll get the insights and stuff and the and the fun stuff from Manning in those again in those clips that ESPN.com will put together. But you get me in a situation where maybe I'm like watching basketball and I'm not as in tune to what the game is, you know, the actual game. And you have, I don't know, like Charles Barkley and somebody in Shaq. I would be more interested in 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 watching that as opposed to the play by play for Dude, for a basketball that, game. That is a fantastic point. So maybe that is the best way ever to bring in that fringe fan, bring in yes. personality, bring in knowledge, and like same idea. Like let, sit me down with an alternate broadcast on soccer mm-hmm. and make it funny, and probably have uh, Ted Lasso doing it. For yes. Me. And, like, in, in. Not that I'm not in already, because you know I've been soccer guy since day one. No when doubt. I started over at 101 years ago, I was just – I was beating that – that soccer drum, if you will, or blowing that Vuvuzela you the entire were time. Beating it and you blowing it, there's no doubt. I was doing both those things, mm-hmm. and soccer's finally here, and look at them go. Uh, but yes, I think that's a fantastic way. Like, we're always looking at baseball, right? You're looking to how do we get, we got the old baseball fan, how do we get the new baseball fan? Right. Well, maybe it's some of that personality. That's something that I, I would like to do, and I would love to be a part of if they ever did. I want to do a kids' broadcast. I want to do kind of like the NFL will do with the Nickelodeon game and yeah. stuff like that. Throw down to kid reporters and stuff. I just think it would, and not all the time, obviously. Sure, mix but it every in. once in a while, have one of those things. I think that you're always looking for ways to get new fans. I think that's a smart way to do it. By the way, we got a text from the Air Comfort Service text line from the six three six. Nib high football rules. Nib high football rules. <laughs> feeling your whole family's going down. Going down. <laughs> but I got to study. <laughs> All right, last one here from the 816. Richie Palacios is a major part of the outfield going forward. Hot take or hot garbage? God, I uh, hate the hot garbage, Richie. Yeah. Um, I'm struggling with major the major part. There's, yeah, major that's part what I'm struggling works. with. Yep. Yeah, I think that he did enough to absolutely, like, he's in the mix. Like, he's in the mix mm-hmm. to be on the roster next year. But major part to me ends up being that's pushing it because just because it, if it works out the way that you expect it to work out, Walker's going to be in right field. You're likely to have Lars Newtbar in left field. Those are two pieces they don't seem like they want it to go away from. And chances are, if everything shakes out with your roster the way that it is right now, it's going to be Tommy Edmond, I would think, in center field. I just don't see the room for him being a big part. That being said, I didn't see a merry-go-round in the outfield this year. So, but right. I, I got to go hot garbage off the top but i hope for richie's sake that he takes the opportunity and runs with it next year just like he did this year so i have a similar 
I have a similar thought process there as BT. Made you know major contributor. I, I I just don't see it happening. But as Brad just said, there's no question that he carved carved out an opportunity for himself heading into spring training. And if he has a hot spring training, who knows? I mean, this is how guys like Brendan Donovan and even you know a Tommy Edmond do it. You know, Tommy Edmond came up. I think kind of midway through the one season and and flashed, came back in spring training, and he's never looked back. Brendan Donovan had a really strong spring training last season, or you know, uh, not this past season, but last year, and he never went away. So you never know. He's at least carved out that opportunity for himself. Brad Thompson, Anthony Stalter, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We did not get a chance yet to talk to our guy Brad about Yachty and whether or not. Yachty could join the coaching staff or what capacity would that look like? We'll talk about Yachty or Molina and the Cardinals coaching staff next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey guys, so if Yachty is here, you know what that says to us? Cardinal fans, they're trying. They're trying to put something in that dugout. Their failures three in a row of no experience, putting some experience in the dugout. And guess what? That gives us a little hope that they're writing the disaster. So anyway, nothing can hurt Yachty's. Nothing, nothing can hurt. People might get pissy, so what? And then they'll be fine. Did anybody go to watch Wayno on October 1st? It will all be fine. All right, it means they're trying. All right, thank you, Lisa. Lisa, leaving us a mic drop. You can, too, via the 101 ESPN app. It's all free. Leave us a mic drop, anything we're talking about. And that was actually in response to a conversation that Jamie and I were having yesterday about Yadier Molina and some of the reports about uh, the interest level in Yadi coaching. And uh, BT, you played with Yadi. You know him very well. You know that he has said recently, he went on an interview in Puerto Rico and said, yeah, the, the Cardinals know my level of interest in coaching. Not that you have any any inside knowledge or anything like that, BT. But one of the things that I I have often I've, I have said lately is we don't know a lot of information. There's a lot of information that's missing here. How much does he want to coach? Does he want to consult? I mean, you know more than anybody. 162 plus games and what those coaches go through. Yachty is uh, uh, he was a star here I don't know if he would be a full-time assistant coach but I think people are getting their hopes up with that what are your thoughts on this yeah, look, a, a couple of things. One, I wish Lisa was a little bit more passionate about her team. <laughs> I, I, I feel just like a little you, passion. you just can't hear it every single time she speaks. Good Lisa's call. the best. Um, two, uh, when there's smoke, there's fire. Like, this is, a, this is a real thing. These are real conversations that are going down. Um, and, look, just the concept and the overall idea of Yadier Molina – on your major league coaching staff, and we'll talk about in a second, like what spot would best fit his personality or whatever. But mm-hmm. just the idea of him being on the staff, hell yes, sign me up. Like, sign me up for a great baseball mind who did nothing but manage basically for 19 years behind the plate. He is one of the smartest, if not the smartest, baseball person that I've ever been around. He already thinks like a manager, he's thinking innings ahead, pitches ahead. His recall is amazing. 
league, which is something when you get hit in the head for a living, like the fact that he's able to recall the stuff that he would recall and know how he sets up a batter and just all the preparation that goes into it. Yes, sign me up. Oh, and by the way, he is, uh, God, what's a word I can say on air? He's got a bit of an edge, you know? <laughs> he's got a little edge. So, yes, it, like I think personality-wise, I think that he would be a great boost. Knowledge-wise, absolutely would be a great boost. Could he help out your catching situation right now? Hell yes, he could help out mm. your catching situation. I might even suit him up. Chances are if he's around enough. Uh, but <laughs> the the thing is, the the biggest question, you laid it out perfectly, is what kind of a commitment is Yadier Molina ready for from a coaching standpoint? Because, Anthony, as you laid out perfectly, people don't understand the hours yeah. of the coaches. Like, they, they are there so much earlier than the players. They are there later than the players. They are there on off days. There's more information now than... Uh, has ever been out there before if you, you they're not going to allow any coach right and, and this is pretty much in any capacity you're not just going to come in and be op where it's just hey own program do whatever i want to do bingo bingo bongo if you're full-time you're full-time if you're yeah. in you're in and remember last year when, when yadi planned yadi missed time during the regular season to go back and watch his basketball team right that, that yep. he owned like that that is that is a, it's a commitment to be there and, and there are going to be things that you'll miss for there are family things that you miss time for and they allow that and the staff is very good at helping out each other hey you got this going on this weekend whether it be a graduation or something with a family like those things those things happen but when you're there you're there like so that's the big question that i'm sure that yadi is asking himself and those are probably the conversations that he and the organization are currently having but man yeah man sign me up to have yadi Molina, a cardinal hall of famer will be a cooperstown hall of famer in that dugout help ushering on the future of this organization i'm in hey uh bt Give us a reset. You started. No! Yeah, the the robot the robot voice came back Dang there it. for a second. AI AI got into the uh, the machine there, and we'll give BT, BT an opportunity to uh, reset. But you know, Brad Brad laid it out perfectly. There's there's a reason why, and Lisa to Lisa's point is well made. It it tells us that the Cardinals are trying. They're trying to get better in all facets, not just hey go out and sign the best pitcher, just in all facets of improving their team. Bring in a Yadier Molina. That that's what that would be about. You're being you're serious about the situation, especially with Contreras. It is. It, I just keep coming back to now. What? What sort of commitment, Marsh? It would be. Would Yadi be willing to give the Cardinals? I mean, if he signs up, he signs up. He knows what is the, what the deal is, right? He you knows. Think, that, yeah, you would think. Now, it, I think it depends on which position that is. If he's a consultant. Well, then, okay, he's back in Puerto Rico. There's really no reason for us fans to be upset with that. But if he's right. like a a bench coach and he's doing some of that, then, you know, then we have some concerns, right? And I yeah. feel like the Cardinals would too. But I don't think that they would bring him in if he even thinks that way. Mm-hmm. I would hope not. This you is what, what you just described. I brought this up yesterday. What you just described was the Matt Holiday situation. Yeah, Matt thought about it. You know, to, to use his words, he prayed about it, and he did not want to be away from his family as long as it was going to going to be to require to to, to you know be a full time coach and also give it his all. So Matt, before the season started, said, 
you know, hey, Cardinals, thank you for the opportunity, but I want to I want to be at home, and we welcome in B- BT. Uh, Marsh just brought up the point BT about Yachty. If he's if he, let's just say he he wants to be an assistant coach full time, and halfway through the season it's like, well, you know, he heads down to Puerto Rico and he's back and forth. I don't think that would you you want Yachty as much as possible, but I don't know if you want that inconsistency. No, I, I totally agree with that. Again, that goes back to part of those conversations. By the way, how long into robot voice? Why didn't you just stop me right away? Nah, like, you're hey, on a roll. Brad, I was rolling. You were Don't rolling. Even know what I was saying though. I nope. was, uh, leave him alone. He's it, on fire. One of the one of the ultimate signs of disrespect is cutting somebody off, and I God, I do not do I do not disrespect mm-hmm. you, Brett. Especially when they sound like a robot. Speeding on the yeah, he only does that when he's speeding on the highway. Exactly. That's, that's a di- that's difference. Like that's that. I don't know those people at that point. Especially you know? in construction zones, you it, get a good look at them. Mm-hmm. You do school, not know them. School con- construction zones. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Marshy, it's a great point, right? And, again, that goes back to real real deal conversations of what is the level of commitment, what do you want? Mm-hmm. If, if Yadier Molina, if his future, if he truly in his heart of hearts, whether he prays on it, thinks about it, whatever, if he wants to be a big league manager, well, it starts by putting in the work ahead of time, right? And it was this would be a great opportunity to be able to, to be on a staff and – this, uh, this staff is very close-knit, and I promise you these conversations don't happen about Yadier Molina if it didn't have the blessing of the manager who has a great relationship with Yadi. because I know the, the initial thought is, oh, Yadi's there, he's sitting on the neck of Ollie Marmol, Ollie wouldn't like that. Right. I'm telling you right now, Ollie wants Ollie strong leaders hire people that can replace them. We've talked about this in the past. Like mm-hmm. that's what good leaders do. Bad leaders hire people that they know are beneath them and they can't do a, a bunch of the things. Like okay, good, I can I can manipulate these pieces. I'll keep this job forever. Yeah, that's a bad leader. <laughs> uh, Ollie is a very good leader. He's not afraid to have talented people around. Him. He wants to have talented people around him. He wants his team to be as good as possible. So uh, I think that. The, the signing, if they did, if they brought Yachty onto this coaching staff, first of all, it would be received well by pretty much everybody except for maybe the guy if he took somebody's spot. Like, that ends up being a thing, yeah. potentially. Um, but the idea of the role is interesting because Yachty or Molina, with his skill set, could fit all the roles. He could. He's obviously got the skill set of a manager because he's been managing as a catcher for years. By the way, he's been managing in Venezuela, Puerto Rico. Like, he's been – he knows how to manage he'd be fine there I think he would be an incredible bench coach of a guy that would again he's managing along with the manager uh, one of the best characteristics I think of a, a bench coach and uh, I know that Skip had this and Super Joe has it as well like uh, this isn't talking about all these positions and saying this guy's better than that guy but one of the biggest things is being able to push back like if, if you have if you have a different thought than the manager or you have data or information or just a gut feel like I think that's wrong I think this and then put it on the manager to actually like make that decision I don't think that Yachty would have any uh, problem just saying no that's stupid this is the play (laughs) and and then Ollie can weigh those things right back and forth and I know that the two of them have that respect among one another. Again, just playing hypothetical, that's the role, right? Just, yeah. just talking about it. Where even if, if he didn't take it, take the whatever the information was on that day, different route, they would talk about it afterwards, and they would they would be great. Like, there would be a great collaborative effort. So uh, I'm just super interested 
how this plays out because he could do the bench roll. He could obviously he could be a pitching coach, one of the best ever to do it, was not a pitcher in Dave Duncan. I know you guys have talked about that. You don't have to be a pitcher uh, right. to, to be a very good coach. Is it a hybrid role? Do they create a position, as you talked about, where he could be in for a while and out? I don't think that that's a bad idea ever. Look, I would rather have a little bit of Yadier Molina, Anthony, mm-hmm. than, uh, than no Yadier Molina. Uh, Same thing, absolutely. like the idea of, uh, idea of Izzy. I'd rather have a little bit of Izzy than no Izzy, like uh, around my big league staff. Like whoever these guys are, keep your talent around and help your guys out. Yeah, well said. That's Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We have What's Trending coming up next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's going on in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered with what's trending now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a Lions Choice Sandwich Coupon. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Brad Thompson. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it is time for What's Trending. Brad, I don't know if we've talked about uh, the whole Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey thing with you. Since you've been on with us? Yeah, I don't think so. Well, uh, it gets even crazier. And I'm not even sure if there's any legitimacy to this. Because once I say what I'm about to say, you'll probably question it a little bit. (laughs) But this is from E.T. on Twitter. Not the alien, uh, but Entertainment Tonight. I was already questioning it. Yeah. Quite frankly, Brad. Uh, This makes no sense. It says, Travis Kelsey is going to go overseas and accompany Taylor Swift on the international leg of the Eros Tour. A source tells ET, Taylor starts her international tour in November, and Travis is planning to be there to spend time with her. And it goes on to say some other stuff, but Hmm. that makes no sense to me. No. Why would Travis Kelsey follow taylor swift in november in the middle of the season i'm sure she's got other concerts going on throughout the throughout the the next year right i mean he could go in march may hell even april brad yeah he ain't going uh, in november there there is a difference though between rich and wealthy (laughs) he's rich She's wealthy. True. Uh, so, you know, uh, happy wife, happy life. Like, you're coming on this tour. I'm like, I had a job, but who cares? You know, nobody's, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's counting on me. me. <laughs> no, I, I would uh, I would have to call uh, BS on that one. I don't see him uh, missing time, and I yeah. don't uh, see any good partner in crime uh, expecting you to uh, miss time. So she's been very supportive of him thus far Mm -hmm. uh, from everything I see when uh, they're showing her on TV and I get to see some of the game. Um, (laughs) But I I think that I think overall, uh, look, they look like they're having fun. He's out there buying mansions, apparently, that are more secure because and she's probably footing the bill. Let's be totally honest on this one. Um, (laughs) But it's uh, yeah, there's no way that happens. Yeah, that that is funny. I, I I enjoy when a football game breaks out at a Taylor Swift concert, so that's good. Unbelievable. Brad, you might not like this, but uh, this is from Tom Downey, who is the host of Cowboys Report and uh, NFL Daily host as well. Tweets out, Devontae Adams wants to be a cowboy. He thinks he and CeeDee Lamb would be the best wide receiver duo in the NFL, knows Mike McCarthy would actually feature him, and thinks Dak is a massive upgrade over the QBs he's had in Vegas. Whew. 
Ah, look, Anthony, wow. a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Um, if, if I were, let's just let's just act like I don't like the Raiders at all. Okay. That I, I uh, you know, not a newfound Raiders fan ever since they moved to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, check, check, check. All those things are true, uh, but no, you can't have them. Because uh, the the bad quarterbacks need somebody to throw to, too. I would say even more so than decent quarterbacks. So, um, look, you know, he can't go. He can't go. Devontae Adams has has been taking an absolute beating this season. I don't know if you saw any of the Patriots game from last week, but he went over the middle on on a pass, caught it, and then got drilled right in the sternum. Flew backwards, ball popped up, Patriots got an interception. I have seen that more than a handful of times this season alone with Devontae Adams. So I'm sure he wants out. I will say this, though. If if you're in an offense with C.D. Lamb, there is only one football. So do you want 12 targets a game? Obviously, you don't want to win. But do you want 12 targets a game? Or do you want four or five? Because the ball is being spread out. I don't know. Just saying. Well, he's only got six receptions in his last two games, so he probably wants somebody that's capable of throwing him the ball. That that makes sense. Yeah. Forget the targets. How about you be on target so I can actually catch it? That's a good point, BT. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, we talked earlier about Michigan and their sign stealing. I don't know if you heard about that, but uh, I wanted to ask you, what was the process like in the dugout when – players would look for signs and and how would that be relayed to the rest of the guys yeah look uh i am all for sign stealing if you're not using electronics to do so if you're Mm -hmm. not videotaping sidelines or videotaping uh sequences and then breaking all that down uh and a lot of it is uh like you have a runner on second he ends up picking up whatever the signs are sometimes you, you can see him Sometimes it's the hand where it's at. It's the lean of location. You get different stuff there. Generally, it was picked from the guy at second base because that's just your best best vantage point. Although guys that were really good at tipping pitches or, or show, you know, finding the tip. So Jim Edmonds, uh, Albert Pujols, those guys were great at deciphering if a pitcher was tipping. That would be one where you know word would spread pretty quickly of what a guy is doing. But all that stuff to me is gamesmanship. That is part of it. If you don't like it, play better. If you don't. Uh, you don't like somebody picking your signs off. Get better signs. Uh, guess what? Second sign when you're uh, when you're the uh, the catcher and, and pitcher. If you're the battery, second sign is not going to work the entire game. I think that somebody might end up picking up on that. <laughs> and now we have the pitch com, so you don't have to worry about that stuff as much. But all that stuff to me is part of it, as long as you're not breaking the real rules. Last thing here, guys. Joel Hofer will make his first start of the season. Are you surprised that Jordan Bennington is not between the pipes tonight, given that it's been, you know, almost a week since he's played? Last Saturday was the last time the Blues played, so it will be a week from Saturday when he makes his first start. Yeah, I'm surprised. I I thought for sure we'd see Jordan Bennington, but what Jamie said made a lot of sense. You got Pittsburgh coming up on Saturday. So if you were going to get Joel Holfer one of these games, why not be, not that Arizona isn't capable of beating, Excuse me, beating it, but maybe maybe you look at it and say with between these two opponents, Pittsburgh's got a lot more firepower. Arizona, you should get more shots, which hopefully generates more goals, and Holfer can get his start against Arizona as opposed to Pittsburgh. But I was surprised initially when Holfer was was announced.
Yeah, I agree with that, Anthony. I, I, I honestly would have gone a, uh, I would have gone the other direction. That's why they paid me the big bucks when it comes to hockey. And no I doubt. wouldn't have started them versus Pittsburgh either. Honestly, yeah. I'd have waited until either Winnipeg or Calgary, and probably the Calgary uh, on that one. Hey, it, when you're when you're the uh, number two guy, you get number two minutes and number two reps. Uh, but that's why Craig Berube gets paid the big bucks to keep his guys actually healthy and happy throughout a regular season. And I hope Hofer goes out and tears it up against Arizona. Well said, Brad. Well said. That's Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stolzer. 512. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. NFL fill in the blank next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, it's a pitcher's duel in Arizona for Game 3 of the NLCS between the Phillies and Diamondbacks midway through the 5th. 0-0, Phillies and Diamondbacks. So that's been a good one thus far, uh, at least if you like pitching. Now, time for NFL fill-in-the-blank. What do you got, Marsh? All right, let's start off with blank versus blank is the most intriguing matchup this week. Blank versus blank is the most intriguing matchup this week. Brad, I've got to go with Dolphins and Eagles. What were you thinking? It's a great matchup. No, that, that is a hard one to beat, honestly. You know, I got another one for you, though, because uh, I, I, I find it intriguing. You were talking about uh, Lamar Jackson a little bit earlier, saying that uh, he will win at some point a Super Bowl as a member of the Ravens. I think Lions-Ravens is a very interesting matchup Absolutely. as well. Yeah, that was, that was the other one as I was, as I was per- perusing the games here. That was the one I first stumbled upon, but then when you get to the Sunday night game, I'm mean, like, you got a primetime matchup, two unfamiliar teams with the Dolphins and, and the Eagles. Eagles coming off the loss. The Dolphins 5-1. and one, They've absolutely bombed everybody outside of Buffalo. So I think that one is fascinating. And when you look at the Eagles' defense versus the, the Dolphins' offense, you get into the X's and O's and things like that. I, to me, it's Dolphins-Eagles. That's the most intriguing one. Guys, we know the Patriots are terrible this year. Blank is the reason why the Patriots are one in five. Bill Belichick is the reason why the Patriots are one in five. He put together a team that is devoid of overall speed, especially on defense. I mean, his defense, the play, the players are pretty good, but there's there's no speed. You go up against, and Miami's going to outrun most opponents, but you you go against Miami, you go against some of these other teams that got speed at the receiver position or speed speed in the backfield, and the Patriots have no shot. I know Mac Jones has struggled, uh, but you can't, you can't run the ball at all. I don't know if Bill, I don't know how this offense, Brad, has gone, has gotten worse under Bill O'Brien than it was under the combination of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge last year, like to explain that one to me, but they they can't they can run the ball last year, can't do that now. But Bill Bill yeah, Belichick, uh, I would I would say Anthony, and you're you're spot on. The explanation is probably I don't care how good your coaches are, it's amazing. Uh, your coaches get better when your players get better. And yeah, good call. They, they have not done a great job of bringing in really a good personnel. My fill in the blank started with Bill Belichick, but it was Bill Belichick's deal with the devil is finally due. So that's the reason. <laughs> like it's like, all right, you're paying for it. Like you had all this great time, yeah. and now it's your time to end up paying uh, up on that. Anthony, is that kind of the equivalent of what Bill Belichick has built over there?
there and what he's doing of like a team that's like, okay, well, uh, everybody's hitting homers. We're going to play small ball. Everybody's getting strikeouts. We still think ground balls are the key. Like, is that kind of the equivalent of what they're doing? Yeah, I would say so. That's a perfect, that's a perfect comparison. Yes. Yeah, it's like uh, the league is uh, predicated on passing and speed and, you know, skill position players. And Miami's hiding their offensive line uh, with, with all the skill position players that they have in the offensive scheme. We'll go the other way. We'll go slow, physical, and eventually when teams start to run the ball again, we'll be ready. Yeah, you're right. That's, that is the exact opposite, man. All right, guys, next one. A win this week from blank will propel them into the upper echelon of the league. Oh, upper echelon's a tough one. I had I got a team in mind here, and I don't yeah. know if it's going to upper echelon them because I still don't believe that even if they beat the team that they are going against, I still don't believe them uh, to, to even win the division necessarily. But I'm thinking about the Chargers, Anthony. Mm. The, there's no way that Justin Herbert is as bad as things have looked. There's no way that the Chargers are as bad as things have looked. What if they end up knocking off the Swifties? What if they end up <laughs> going out there and just just playing against the the Taylors and they get it done like that gives you a little bit of swagger and then maybe all of a sudden they're nipping at the heels of the Chiefs in, in the division yeah and in the AFC that's that's a good one I hate to go back to the same same matchup but if the Dolphins go into Philly and and the spread is only two and a half so it's not like it would be a huge upset but we know that the Eagles came into the league came into the year as a, a Super Bowl contender we thought the Dolphins could be good. I had them win in the AFC East, but a lot of people kind of just had them as a playoff team. You beat the Eagles in Philly, I think you go from probably about the fourth or fifth best team to at the very least the third best team, if not the second best team. So I, th- I think the Dolphins would, they're, they're already good at five and one. But if they lose to the Eagles, here's what I think happens, Brad. You start to look back at their schedule. You look at the Panthers, the Giants, the Broncos, the Patriots, and the Chargers. Those are their wins. They faced Buffalo in Buffalo and gave up nearly 50 points. So if they were to lose to to the Eagles, I think people can start to play the schedule game and reverse this against Miami. If you win, you get vaulted it back. You know, you're you're a top three team at this point if you win. Next one, blank has had the most impressive defense this year. Cleveland. I know that, that that's going to surprise some people, but when you look at what they did to the 49ers, and granted, you're losing Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel at various points in that game, that, that certainly hurts. But even go back to week one, when they harassed Joe Burrow, it wasn't just because Burrow was dealing with calf injury. I mean, they really got after him. I think Cleveland has one of, if not the best defenses in the league, but we're not talking about him because the offense stinks and because they lost Nick Chubb and because Deshaun Watson's been bad and banged up. So I, I look at Cleveland and say that if they ever get an offense that is just average, I think Cleveland can make a lot of noise in the AFC. No, that is fair, and, and that is that is actually a really good reason. Like you don't talk about, you don't tend to talk about teams when the off the other side of the ball isn't getting it done. Right. Like the Saints have a really good defense. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the Saints defense because their team overall is just not flashy. It's not that much fun. Did you expect the Chiefs defense to oh, be as good as it one. is, Anthony? Boy, that's because a, I mean, 
Yeah. They're second, like the second fewest points per game against them, uh, just behind the 49ers. Like, we always think it's Mahomes, it's Kelsey. Like, that's what it is. But, damn, that defense is good. You know, Brad, man, you that that is a great call. They have, Without the Chiefs' defense this year, you really wonder if they're – I don't think they're 5-1 and one without, without the way that they're playing. And I hate to minimize the impact of Mahomes and Kelsey and, and Andy Reid. But every game this year, they, they, they held the, the Lions to 21. They held the Jaguars to 9. They held the Bears to 10. They held the Jets to 20. They held the Vikings to 20. They held the Broncos to 8. Now, they haven't necessarily faced, outside of Detroit, a murderous row of offenses, although the Jacksonville is starting to come alive here, too, so we know about their weapons. But still, that is a young defense that everybody questioned, and rightfully so, coming into the year. And Spags has turned that unit into probably the most underrated. I wouldn't say the, I wouldn't say the best, but I would say the most underrated defense in the league. That's a great call, Brad. Last one for you, gentlemen. We talked about the Dolphins earlier. You guys brought them up. Blank will be the reason why the Dolphins or the Eagles will win on Sunday night football. What do you got, Brad? Anthony, I got a random one for you, okay? And and you can blow me out of the water on this one if it doesn't hold any weight because I got the Dolphins winning this one. Okay. Okay. But the reason is not going to be, not that they can't show up. Uh, they're going to need them to show up. It's uh, it's not the high-powered offense, though. The reason is going to be the D-line and them getting to Jalen and sacking him a bunch of times. You know that they're tied for third in the league, the Dolphins are in sacks? I think that defensive line is going to end up being the difference. The pressure that they put on Jalen Hurts and the fact that they're going to be able to contain him in the pocket, I think that's going to be the difference in this game. So I also have the defense, but for the opposite reason. Really? Yes. I have have the Eagles winning this one, and I – I really liked Miami because of the defense. I thought, I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about the offense the entire time. Watch this defense. Yeah, watch this defense give up a bunch of points, and the offensive, it just continues to roll. I I have been disappointed in the way that Vic Fangio's defense has played thus far. However, I think that's an interesting stat that you throw out there and that they're third right now in sacks. So clearly they're generating pressure. And maybe when Jalen Ramsey comes back, and I guess he's been practicing a little bit this week, I don't know if he's going to make his return. But when Jalen Rance comes back, I think things turn a little bit. But they're allowing 498.7. No, I'm sorry. That's that's the total offense for them. Uh, Where's their defense? I'll look it up. But their defense has been struggling a lot this season. So unless that turns around, I I also think the way that they play off off offensively, the defense is on the field a lot. You know, they can score quickly. It's great. Awesome. But at some point, I think Mike McDaniel is going to have to figure out we're going to have to slow down the tempo a little bit in the second half, protect the lead so I don't gas out my defense uh, and 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 have a situation of uh, a la the 28-3 Super Bowl game where sure. Kyle Shanahan gassed out his own defense and the Falcons end up losing it. But I think the defense right now for Miami is questionable. Yeah, well, and, and just uh, to your point, they're right in the middle of the pack. They're 13th in defensive yards per game, 343.7, right? So uh, that puts them kind of right there in the middle. I think that pressure might end up being the, the difference. By the way, real quick, Anthony, mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel, when, when you're talking about your pantheon of coaches right now, where does McDaniel fall for you? That's a great question. I got Andy Reid, one. I've got Kyle Shanahan, two. Go um, ahead, do it. I've got Sean McVay's playbook. I got uh, Sean McVay's playbook. <laughs> Three. 
Boy, I hate leaving Belichick out, but he also just sewered him. Yeah, uh, you did. I mean, from a coaching standpoint, it, it's hard to it's hard to beat, but he just doesn't have the the personnel or personality or personality. Um, wow. Sean, I mean, you look at like Sean Payton. I love Sean Payton, but not great. Uh, I he think doesn't I, even know what down it is. No, he doesn't. It's like Russ got into his head or something. I love John Harbaugh. I love Pete Carroll. I think I'd still put Harbaugh and Carroll in front of them, Tom Tomlin in front of them, but McDaniel's probably in that 6-7 range at this point. Not bad for a young guy. No, hell no. I mean, his his off the way that he has coached his his the way that he schemes up his offense, very similar to that of Shanahan, which is great. But the details in which he executes, like he's got receivers knowing that when they hit a certain you know certain uh, point in the route, the ball is going to be put it on like the left shoulder, or the right shoulder, so that they can turn up field. That's Bill Walsh stuff. So I'm very, I'm just very impressed with with Mike McDaniel. I'll just give the other guys that have done it a lot longer uh, the credit first. But I think Mike McDaniel is in the top ten right now. And you're right, for a young guy, it's very impressive. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We have a Cardinals-related biggest question of the day next. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. That's right. Time for the biggest question of the day here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. My guy Brad Thompson filling in for Jamie Rivers. And BT will be with us a couple of times next week, too, including on Monday. Full show. Uh, he'll be in studio. BT, biggest question of the day. This is something that I was thinking about in reflecting on the Orioles season. Obviously didn't end the way they wanted to because of the playoffs. Uh, you know they they got swept, but the season was outstanding, and they did so because of their youth. How how quickly do you think? I, I know the Cardinals need pitching, and, and that's that's an obvious one. But how quickly do you think the Cardinals can go from where they are now, unfortunately last place, to back to being a, a legit contender in the to win the division and then beyond? With their youth, forget about what they do in free agency, but with this young crop of players, can we see a quick turnaround because of that youth, or does it have to be supplemented uh, big time with free agency? No and yes. Uh, No, you're not going to see a quick turnaround simply because of the youth, Anthony. Uh, And yes, you're going to have to go supplemented. Now, that being said, uh, no, you, you make a great point, and the Orioles, I, th- I think, are a very interesting comp. Now, the Orioles, as you very well know, they've been drafting high for a long time, um, and, and they were able to pick up you know, a, a 1-1 in Adley Rushman, who is like their leader. He's the heartbeat of kind of everything that they do. Gunnar Henderson uh, was a second-round pick, 42nd overall. Like They did a good job in their draft, and uh, they, those guys have escalated to the big leagues. And then via free agency and via the trade, market they kind of tweak their rotation a, a little bit um, but the we should all be as Cardinal fans you should be excited about the young players that you have coming up specifically in Walker and Win. I'm excited a little bit further down the pipeline in guys like Tink Hens. I'm excited to see what we have in in Graceffo, who I think will likely be a part of the bullpen if, if everything shakes out the way that they wanted to maybe in spring training mm-hmm. 
but uh, I don't think that things turn around like the Orioles did specifically because of your young players. Is Walker going to make strides from last year to 2024? Hell yeah, he made enormous strides in just the the year that he had. Is Wynn going to learn, especially offensively, from how he was attacked and different tendencies and just the speed of the game that he got to experience for the last month plus? Of course, yeah, absolutely he will. But I don't think that it's going to be to the level, Anthony, where those guys just carry you and you sure. don't have to totally tweak your pitching that's still the the be all and all you mentioned it before and uh marshy just mentioned it in the uh update what do we have right now uh we got a, ourselves a pitcher's duel in the uh the nlcs late in the ball game you still got to be able to throw the ball uh, very well and you still have to make some big tweaks but are, are you excited or do you believe in what the cardinals have from a youth standpoint anthony yeah it's it's interesting right because you know brad a lot of times we phrase it as baseball fans and really sports fans is what what's that next season going to look like right so when we're talking about this we're talking about really next season and i think everything that you illustrated with jordan walker and mason Wynn and, and nolan gorman the, these young guys are they going to make dramatic turnarounds and they're going to be stars all of them next year no yes uh, oh. yes um but yes uh, maybe if not they are you still have to pitch you still have to pitch right but when i think of teams like the braves when i think of th- teams like the orioles when i uh, orioles bad comp let's just uh, the, the braves the dodgers we're talking about teams that drafted well got the foundation in place and then added that is the way to turn things around and have it be sustainable of course though you need to develop an ace if you don't, everything's moot, and we found that out this season. But I think about um, how f- how some fans view it. Some fans view it as, as soon as you have that one big offseason, you're good. I don't view it that way. I view it the way the Braves have done it, where you've got Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna and Spencer Strider and Austin Riley. And at one point when you won the World Series, Freddie Freeman. Then, yeah. then you added Matt Olson. Then you added Sean Murphy. Then you added, you know? So that's the way I look at this. If we want to be serious about the Cardinals joining the upper echelon again, it is it, it will need to be because of Jordan Walker and Nolan Gorman and Mason Wynn and, God willing, like Tink Hens or yeah. somebody from that pitching Yeah, staff. well, and so to piggyback off the first two names that you mentioned with Atlanta, Anthony, in Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies, International. I think that – exactly, man, yeah. international free agents. That's where a lot of the, the a lot of the talent in baseball, if you're not scouring and paying top dollar in the Dominican and Venezuela, you know, getting guys uh, that end up defecting from from Cuba, like like that's that's where a lot of your talent is coming from, and a lot of your assets should be focused in in that direction as well. So they have drafted well, they have developed well, they did as we've talked about for the last couple of years. They've done uh, a good job of shifting. The Cardinals have always had pitching. They were devoid of position player talent what do mm-hmm. they do well they went out and drafted position player talent you got guys at the big league ne- level now like nolan gorman a first rounder jordan walker a first rounder in 2020 mason Wynn. like uh, all of these uh, the the shift that they made it has worked but you got to keep adding to it and then once you get the guys in the organization again this this comes down to um evaluating the correct talent 
and then developing them correctly. So you got to make sure throughout the organization, top to bottom, that you have the, the right resources for all of these players to have the best chance of succeeding. So maybe that means spending more money on your minor leagues. That's not as sexy to the fan, right? The fan looks at it, it's like, well, you only spent this much money on free agents. You only gave Nola and Gray three hundred and fifty million, or whatever. Fingers crossed. Uh, but <laughs> it, you, it, but sometimes five million dollars that you sprinkle in the minor leagues that nobody ever sees mm-hmm. might end up being the difference in you know of the next generation of sustained success. Like sure. that's the interesting part of it. Yeah. Well, let's hope for a quick turnaround. Let's hope that they get that pitching. Oh yeah, next year's the year. Next year, I, I, yeah. Well, it, no, in, last in all the first, baby. I, well, it happens. It, well, look at the Red Sox. Isn't that wasn't that the Red Sox? It's just every every couple of years, last first, last yeah. first. Like you you end up signing the the right free agents. Like it's not you don't have to squint to look at this team and say, well, if they could pitch, they'd be in it. Right. If, if they could have pitched, they could have been in it. If they could win one run games, uh, they would be in it. Oftentimes that's pitching. So and something that we have talked about quite a bit, we'll continue to talk about it throughout the entire offseason, Anthony, is when we talk pitching, the first thing that everybody thinks about is the rotation. And rightfully so, understandably, when you don't necessarily have a one or a two. Sure. Yes, you need those. You need to bolster that bullpen too because that bullpen, you want to talk about uh, uh, an area where you can seal down some victories, you can swing some one-run games your way, that's a great area to be able to add. It is not an either-or. It is an and. I, oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. You need to get the pitch. You need to get the starting staff and revamp that bullpen. I agree. Uh, this Phillies-Diamondbacks game, man, you got to love postseason baseball. So, Ketel Marte led off the bottom of the six with a double. Almost got the ball out, hit the hit the wall, bounced back. Marte hustled in, in for a double. He got moved over because of a near base hit to the right side. Bryson Stott made a sensational play at second base to keep the ball in the infield. Got the runner out at first. And... It looks like, oh, no, well, the, the Diamondbacks, the Phillies got the second out of the inning on a strikeout. So Marte moved over to third, did not advance on the strikeout, of course, and now it's Christian Walker who's up in the bottom of the sixth. But this has been tight throughout. It has moved quickly. It has been a pitcher's duel. Diamondbacks obviously need it. You can't go down 3-0 or, or else you're in a, in a lot of trouble. But this one's been fun so far. And I know you, you've, you've kept an eye on it too. I can't tell you how much it pisses me off that you're that far ahead of me in the ball game because I just right now saw the strikeout. Oh, really? I didn't know Walker was up yet. Yeah, no, I'm way behind. I won't spoil it for you then. Here. I won't spoil no, it just, for you. No, you should. Like, don't we live in a world where everybody should be on the same time, no matter what their <laughs> provider? Aren't we? Isn't this America? What are we doing? This, I'm sorry. I this seven America. times. I thought this was America. Well, we'll give you an update on the Phillies and Diamondbacks, and we'll have what you missed next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. In just about 10 minutes, we'll have the pregame show for you. For the Blues and the Coyotes, of course, we'll have the play-by-play. Chris Kerber uh, alongside Joey Vitale. Our, our guy, Alex Ferrario, will be down at Enterprise Center for tonight's game. So looking forward to the Blues and Coyotes game three. 
of the new season. If you missed anything from our pod, our show today, you can always download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or your 101ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. First two hours of the show, we had Jamie Rivers in, talked to Reed Lowe. Reed Lowe stopped by. Talked to Chris Kerber as well. Previewed the Thursday night football game, including uh, talking about BT, who was with us for the final two shows, or the final two hours of the show. Uh, BT, we're talking about your guy Derek Carr, your former guy. And I said, we put that guy in bubble wrap because I have seen nothing different about Derek Carr's game in New Orleans than I did in Vegas or, or Oakland. Fair statement? Yeah, it's fair. He kind of is who he is at this point, isn't he? Yeah. And I hyped him up a little bit more when he was with the Raiders, and maybe I comped him sometimes to guys like Mahomes, <laughs> Brady, and Manning. You know, favorite quarterbacks. I would throw him in there sure. every once in a while. But realize this. I was lying um, <laughs> because, boy, yeah, not great. No. Not great over there, old Derek. It's not, uh, it's not all him. Run his mouth. He can run his mouth a little bit, but yeah. other than that. I was, I love these. Like, I don't care about the stats, really, because you check down to Camaro like 19 times. You don't care about your stats, really. I'm not here about the stats. Yeah, I'm here to win. Right. How's that going? Throw Fine. the ball. Throw the ball more than seven yards, Derek. Anyways, you got Sunday night football or Thursday night football tonight. Excuse me. Here on, uh, uh, actually, no, we get the Blues game for you. I'm so used to saying that here on 101 ESPN, but I just told you we get the Blues tonight. So that's the Thursday here night on game. Prime TV. On that's Prime where it's at, TV. Right? Yep, that's right. BT and I had you covered for the final two hours of the show we played hot take or hot garbage we played uh nfl fill in the blank we talked about cardinals and whether or not the youth movement can lead to a quick ish turnaround and what impact would yadi have on the clubhouse as a coach and what sort of uh impact he could have obviously what do we got for criticism oh bt you got something oh yeah real quick anthony just want you to let uh, let you know christian walker grounded out the shortstop <laughs> i just saw that uh so uh you know crisis <laughs> 42 minutes later <laughs> if you weren't saw. listening a segment ago uh my tv is far delayed uh anthony was giving us play-by-play and i was about two batters behind oh, yeah wow. Oh, Marsh, Marsh, don't know, do that. I'm sorry. So, yeah, you're right. We what happened? <laughs> Literally in a commercial right now. Uh, yeah, so BT, I said, yeah, we'll, we'll have an update for you. Yeah, BT's right. Christian Walker grounded out to the shortstop, so the threat was extinguished after Marte let off the uh, bottom of the six with a double. So it's still 0-0, and the Phillies now batting in the top of the seventh. All right, Marsh, what do we got? Criticisms, compliments. Yeah, from the five zero one, it just says, Stalter be better. That's okay, it. yeah, just in life. <laughs> Is that from the 702? The 501. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Keep strolling. <laughs> Do we have something from Vegas? No. <laughs> just be be- I just like just be better because be that could apply to anything. And I might be Honestly, thinking to myself, be, be better on the show, be better in life. And then I'm sure this texter would just say yes. That could be one. Honestly, get like a, get yourself like a little wristband. Just says be better. Like that would be a good thing to do. Like be better. Be a better. Uh, be a better father. Better yeah. husband. Better yep. coworker. Friend. Better human. Son. A better friend. Yeah. yeah. All those things. Be better. Thank you. Like I, I know it was for you, Anthony, but I am gonna take that on for the rest of my night. I'm gonna be better tonight. Oh, good. I think that's just great. That's just a good look. You know, for for anybody. Anthony? Yeah. Real quick. Uh, We're stealing this, but that's half of the industry. Um, I I am picturing that shirt you're wearing right now. Yeah. Instead of patient, it says better. And Mm, we run it and we sell them and we give all of the proceeds to us uh, because (laughs) we came up with that. It was was a very good idea. I'm with you. I think that's a great call. Be better. Just be better. better. 
<laughs> we got one from the 618. I miss true or poo. Oh, man. I mean, was that the 702? Because... Agreed. You tried to put some window dressing on it, Anthony. I know true or poo when I smell it. And that's exactly what that segment we did was, but you called it something about garbage. You know, uh, Brad, without you, I just, true or poo just lost a lot of its luster. You it know? was a steamy segment, Anthony, and you it, know it. It certainly was a steamy segment, but it just got too uh, hot to handle. You know? Well, mm. you never liked it, okay? You never liked it from the onset. That's and I didn't no, like you, the title. You, well, it, the you didn't have to smear it. You didn't have to smear I it. smeared nothing. Thing. I didn't yes, even touch did. it. I didn't even yes, touch it, Brad. I hope not. Oh, no. Golly. I just I walked in, I, I I said what stinks, and I realized it was that it was that title. That's all. What mm. is this? True or poo? I don't like it. Yeah. That's exactly, exactly how I sound. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, Marsh, go ahead. Uh, BT sounded like a (laughs) robot today for just, you know, I don't know, like 30 seconds. We let him keep going. Uh, But from the 314, got to say, BT on auto-tune. I like it. Got some flair to it. Yep. Oh, golly. I got to listen to that. Uh, That that might be my new thing. Sounded good. segment as as Well, you weren't cutting out, so we just let you go. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just, yeah, it wasn't the robot voice Mm -hmm. that way. It was. Oh, um, way better. Yeah, Yeah, like. Sounding a little Megatron-ish. Yes. Yeah. Why did we? Why did you stop me? We could have done the nah. next hour like that. Nah, you were wrong. Oh, why did we? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good we question. Yeah, we could have kept going. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last one here from the six three six. Oh man, I miss Dunk. I love any story involved with him. It always brings a laugh. Yeah, amen to that, man. Miss miss that guy every single day, Brad. I know you do too. Oh no! The- <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think about it. I think about it during the postseason when an outfielder is chasing a fly ball, or he's under it's routine. Maybe not for that guy. You don't know what he's feeling on the inside, because because Doug Doug would be he's a glass case of emotions he, when he was out in the he outfield. He certainly was, man. But yeah, we were talking about him hitting in front of Albert. Uh, there were times where he hit, he'd hit behind Albert. And he Albert would get on and look over at Dunk, uh, stay, you know, going up to the, the bat, and Dunk for whatever reason always turned him into Arnold. Do it, get a hit, do it now. You can do it now. Yeah, Dunk always turned Albert into into Arnold's great. All right, uh, Brad, always a pleasure, man. Great stuff as always. Love you, man. Hey, I will see you guys Monday. Let's go Blues. Perfect. There you go. So you got Blues hockey coming up. Blues Coyotes pregame starting right now for Andrew Marsh, Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, and Anthony Stalter. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.